Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Party goers, and welcome to another episode of Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. And Mare. Yes. We are in what is called in the biz, if that your business is baseball, or maybe it's a racetrack. If your business is at the racetrack. The baseball oh, racetrack? Baseball racetrack. Okay. <laughs> We're in the home stretch. Uh-huh. That's, okay. from, that's from the racetrack, right? Yeah. The home stretch. I was, yeah. For some I reason, I thought it was... of like a home run. I think I was con- baseball. confusing the two. Yes, you're right. I mm-hmm. I got homer, home run, yep. home plate mixed mm-hmm. up with home stretch. Yep. Which is understandable. Yeah. You know. I guess so. I don't know <laughs> sports, so I can't say anything <laughs> about right. anything, especially well, I'm, sports. I'm sorry I cut you out of the conversation entirely. What else can I say that will cut you out of the conversation entirely? Anything mm-hmm. about anything. sports? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, just sports? Or like... Cars? Car? Really? You don't know anything about cars? Not much. So if I asked you, if he said, like, I was driving, a, I saw a car the other day, and I said, what kind of car was it? You'd say... A gray one? That's the wrong answer, Mary. Oh. You have to tell me the make uh-uh. and model. Nope. And the year. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's Is a joke. Order for, order for the story to, no. to, to work for me. No, my face blindness works for everything. <laughs> Um, when I remember when I was a kid in pony club, mom would show me pictures of horses and be like, these are different breeds of horses and you can tell based on how they look. Yeah. And my brain was like, looks like a horse. (laughs) They all look the same. There's no difference. I would say. No, there's no difference at all. No, you're wrong. Cause you can tell it in Arab. An Arab is the only one I could ever tell. And, and a standard bread. Cause they have that kind of Roman nose. Nope. And I think I think thoroughbreds are pretty distinct. I think they're all no. kind of distinct. No, distinct not to looking. my brain. <laughs> it is a wonder that I can tell birds apart. I remember uh, when I used to shoe horses for people. Mm-hmm. This lady, I had an appointment with this lady, and she called and she goes, "Well, I'm not going to be home today mm-hmm. until later. Mm-hmm. So when you come, just take so and so out of his out of his stall, okay, and do his do his feet. Yeah, I'm like, o- okay, because I don't know what they look like. Yeah, I only saw their feet. Yeah. So, I mean, I might like pet them or whatever and be like, mm-hmm. good old colored, you know, black horse yeah. or whatever, or good old gray good horse. Good old chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I got there and I was like, oh, there's more than one horse here. <laughs> I thought there would just be like, from that, I thought, oh, well, I'll just be one horse. Yeah. And I just, you know, go to this. But no, there was like five horses in this place. Oh. So you did all their all their feet? I did all the feet. And I, I discharged her for one horse. Yeah. Makes sense. No, no, I thought, I had this great plan. I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm going to... Look at all the... Because I knew that there was another farrier who did the, the other horse's feet. Oh, okay. Feet. Other horse's hooves. Yep. And... Because yeah, I'm a farrier. Of course, I say feet. Uh-huh. It's a well-known technical term in, yes. in horse shoeing. No foots, no horse. <laughs> no feet. No feet, no horse. So then... So I uh, I thought, well, this guy is su- a super good sh- shoer. Mm-hmm. So my garbage shoes will like stand out like a sore thumb when I... When right. I, so I went and I looked at all the horse's feet. They all look the same. They all look exactly the same. Yeah. They all, they're all nice shoes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is ridiculous. So I just had to make like this wild stab in the dark. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, I was right. That's good. Yeah. They didn't have their names on there. No. Oh. Not mm-hmm. even like, yeah, no. It's all wrong. Yeah. 
It's all wrong. Lucky the horse went, oh, Dave, over here, Dave, come and do my feet. That's when you said the name of the horse. And it looked, and you're like, there we go. There you go. <laughs> yes. So, the reason I said this is the home stretch mare mm-hmm. is because, as in baseball and in horse racing, mm-hmm. this is the final, well, final. Countdown? The final countdown. do 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 <laughs> we, have to pay, we have to pay them now for that. Oh, yeah, because uh, we pay for all the music we play in the show. We do, we do. Yeah, we pay, we pay for it. Yeah, so this is the final mixtape. Cool. This is Mike Ross' final mixtape, but mm-hmm. of eight hundred <laughs> five. But weirdly, this was the first one. Oh, okay. But not weirdly, it was the last one that I did. Let, so let me just ex- wait. I'll give you. I'll explain it. Do you want? Do you want to guess, or do you want me to explain it? Like you started it first, but then finished it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Because what happened was, well, what happened was, as I said before, Mike sent me a, like a, a bundle of CDRs and he said, uh, save some of these for people who don't have CDRs and make CDRs for them. And I was like, uh, 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 that's cheating. <laughs> you sent me CDRs, you're going to get music whether you want it or not. Yep. So, but he had asked for Bossa Nova. Oh, no. <laughs> Straight us his reaction when they came. What is this shit? <laughs> uh, no, his, uh, no, his, his request was for Bossa Nova music. Hmm. And I don't know Boston Nova music at all. No. Like I like Brazilian music, but I like yeah. Brazilian like rock rock music, yeah. like the crazy psychedelic tropicalia yeah. music. That's what I'm into. I don't, I don't know all this stuff about people on beaches and things of like that. You know, I've listened to some. I don't love it. Boop 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 boop. boop. Yeah, got to pay for that one too. Man. The problem though was I started making. So I decided, well, I'm not gonna do the Boston Nova thing because that would involve me having to listen to a bunch of Boston Nova music yep. in order to decide what I like best. Right. When it turns out, I don't really like it that much. I don't mind it. To be yeah. honest with you, I've I've grown accustomed to its smile. Okay. I've grown accustomed to to its. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll do a Tropicalia one. That's that's what I'm gonna do. So I started doing it, and then I had the great iTunes crash of 2018. Right. When all of my playlists disappeared. In, a, in an rest almighty, in <laughs> rest in peace, all of them, like all the ones I'd made for all the listeners, they all disappeared, including Mike's, you know, not finished, but mostly kind of getting their yeah. uh, playlist. And so I was so depressed by that, that I just did all the other ones. I did all the novelty mixes and all yeah. the, and I did the, the last one we listened to, the, the long song right. one. And then I went back and finished it. The problem that that caused though, was that I really wanted to use uh, Tropicalia songs for people's mixes. But then I kind of pinned myself in a corner because I didn't know what songs I was going to use for Mike's, and I didn't want to repeat. I, you know, one of my rules was I wouldn't repeat songs. Yes. Although I suspect that I repeated a song in this. I think so. Yeah. 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 That was my tongue song. I read a Lee song. Yeah. Yeah. But I looked in. The weird thing is, is I looked on my, like I did a search for that song in my in my database of songs that I did, and it mm-hmm. didn't come up. Hmm. So I must have written it down wrong because often I would do like a preemptive. You know, writing down the songs that were on the mix. Yeah. And then I would change my mind before the mix was completed and I wouldn't update the right. list. And, right. And so that obviously caused some problems. So anyway, I cheated at the last. The very last thing I did was I blew it. I blew it, everyone. The Sneaky Dragon mixtape project is a disaster and a cheat and a fraud and a failure. And, yep. But it was also fun. It's a fun failure. That's a completely reasonable <laughs> thing to say about this project. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what people thought of it, to be honest with you. So, well, people seem to like this podcast. Yeah. So that's something we've been doing this for like two years. We have, we have. Are you, uh, are you kind of looking forward to the end? Uh, yeah. 
think so. <laughs> Me too, to be honest with yeah. you. I think I think if I wasn't working 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. coloring mm-hmm. four hours or more a day, mm-hmm. doing Sneaky Dragon, mm-hmm. whatever else I do, mm-hmm. like just be be your dad mm-hmm. occasionally mm-hmm. when you can see me. Yep. You know, doing all the dishes and laundry. <laughs> doing all the dishes and laundry and vacuuming and all those other fun hey, things. I vacuumed yesterday. Good job. Thank you, sweetie. You missed a spot. And Where? Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I did. I didn't do the stairs. Oh, yeah. Or the landing. I was like, no. Car. Didn't you see me later that night vacuuming where you had vacuumed? <laughs> no, I did see you uh, rewashing all the dishes I washed. Take them all out of the... No, I didn't. No, I know. Okay. We also didn't vacuum where I was vacuumed, so it was the joke. <laughs> I thought you thought I had done that. No. I didn't I'm, wash any dishes, so... I was such a sucker. Um, <laughs> no, I've a, I had a friend from high school whose mom would do that. Yeah. When his brother would wash the dishes, she would take them all out of the like out of the cupboard and wash them again. And he was like, "What's the point?" <laughs> no, I've I've really enjoyed doing this with you. I think it's been a lot of fun for me. But you know, all things must pass. Yep. As George Harrison once wisely observed. And so, folks, we're gonna have this episode mm-hmm. side A. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do side B mm-hmm. in, in a bye week, mm-hmm. and then in a double bye week, we're going to do <laughs> a month. Yeah. Well, like a double bye week from today. A month. Yeah. Because that'll be the final show. We're going to do like a, a listener's comment show. I'm just saying that you could just say a month. No, no. I think double bye week is a much more efficient way to say it. Because yeah. you've already said bye week. So you're just okay. like, double bye week. Right. <laughs> it's <so> obvious, <laughs> Mary. If when, yeah. All right. Well, so uh, um, I was, I was going to ask you. Oh, no. You were going to say in a double bye week, we're doing what? Oh, we're going to do a listener's comments mm-hmm. episode. So I'm hoping that uh, and listeners five. and some top five stuff. Yep. And I'm hoping that listeners will take a moment out of their busy lives to write to us mm-hmm. with some final comments on this wonderful podcast. Yeah. We, Probably one of the greatest podcasts that has ever been on Yes, definitely. Should we give people a date of when they have to have that in by? Like a, like three weeks? Four weeks? Three and a half weeks? Yeah. I'll, I'll think. I'll look up a date when we're, when okay. we're listening to the next... When we listen to a song, I'll check. I'll look up a date. Okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, Mary. Okay. Everyone, in uh, a two-thirds of a bye week... No, we're not two thirds of a bye week. Two thirds of a double bye week. You have to get your. <laughs> this is, this, this uh, system of time measurement makes a lot of sense. You're right, Dad. You've, you've you finally know, won. When you... It makes perfect sense. Two thirds of a double bye week. It's perfect. I completely understand what you mean by that. And to get to that point, everyone, I only had to keep Mary locked in her room for a month, feeding her only rice, <laughs> while playing uh, recordings of Dave is right. Your dad is right. So, Mary. Yes. Let's start with a song. Okay. Which is so. Oh, yeah. Just so everyone knows, this is going to be entirely in Portuguese. This up, ep- this episode. Yes. Not you and I. We will not be speaking in Portuguese, mostly because we can't. Yes. I and also, it would be can. very rude for us to speak in a language that no one else can understand, except for other Portuguese speakers. Yes. When I don't think that's the majority of our listeners, since we've been doing all the shows in English so far, mm-hmm. it would be a real, real twist. Real, <laughs> real interesting thing to try to get a big Portuguese following for our last two, or large Brazilian Portuguese following for our last two episodes. Yeah, that's, that's a real twist. Yeah. But all the songs are going to be in Portuguese. Uh, all the songs are going to date from a pretty similar... Time period. Time period, which is from 67. Mm. Well, I have to admit, I, I stretched it. I stretched a point, because we'll talk about it. I think we'll talk about it as we go, everyone, because yep. uh, I did stretch a point, because I just, just I just felt it was so limiting, mostly because a lot of the artists only did a couple of albums in that time period, Yeah, and I kind of liked their be- later stuff better in some cases, right. so I, 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 I kind of like threw out my whole, my whole plan, <laughs> but ah, screw it. 
So, but let's start with... Uh, but wait, 67 to when? 67, well, Topicalia is about 67 to late 69. Oh, After, two years. Yeah, it lasted two years. Yeah, so yeah. that'd be a lot. But it, you know, didn't fall apart beca- of its own will. It fell apart because it was being... Crushed by a dictatorship? Crushed, crushed by a military dictatorship, yeah. So that makes it much harder to, to be... Yes, when... Artistic when, movements. <laughs> um, many of your leaders are exiled from the country. Yeah, yeah. Makes it hard to continue exactly. doing something. Yeah, yeah. it's easy for the... Well, the center cannot hold. So let's start off with... This is kind of the clarion call of of the Tropicalia movement. It's not the first Tropicalia song, but it is the f- lead track on the... Manifesto album Tropicalia Ou, as they say, or in uh, Portuguese, um, Panis e Circenses, or Bread and Circuses. So this is a song written by Catano Veloso and Gilberto Gil, and performed by Os Matanches on the very first, well, I guess their first appearance uh, uh, as, uh, as members of the Tropicalia movement. So let's give it a listen, everyone. This is uh, Os Matanches. <laughs>
Bom, por favor. Só mais um Alright, and we're back. I think we played Ousmatanches a couple times during these shows, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, we have. Mostly stuff from my my favorite album, which is uh, Rita Lee, the, the so-called Rita Lee solo album. Today is the, is the first day of the rest of your life. Okay. Well, because definitely, we definitely talked about Rita Lee and her relationship with Sergio Diaz and Arnaldo Baptista. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Mayor, I, I kind of feel like I know, know the answer to this, uh, but um, what do you think of Bread and Circuses or Panis Acers? I don't know how to say it. Circenses? They always just sound. They always do a lot of chewing, just mm. sounds like. You know what? I just watched Portuguese. a Rick Steves um, travels to Portugal. Oh yeah. Um, Did you notice a lot of like Sidaja and stuff like that? Were no, they... they mostly spoke in English. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, they ate a lot of seafood though. Well, they're a coastal. Made me really they're a coastal have nation. Seafood. <laughs> Maybe you want to go? Didn't you make you want to go to Portugal to have seafood? Maybe want to go to Balinstern and Abbotsford to have seafood. It's the most dangerous. It has the most dangerous road in Europe. Portugal. Portugal? Yeah. Not the Autobahn? No, believe it or not. It's a weird road that runs through the through the kind of center of the country to the okay. beaches. Okay. But it just travels like through like villages and stuff like that. Oh. But people treat it like it's the Autobahn. Oh, okay. And so it's very it's not just dangerous for drivers, it's dangerous for people who it live along strange, it. Yeah. yeah, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Well, when um we did a big road trip uh through the States a few years ago, back yes. in like twenty sixteen. Not you and I. No, no, no. Me and my boyfriend at the time and um, we, at one point we're driving on the freeway and then all of a sudden we were not on the freeway and we were in a town and we got a speeding ticket yeah. because it was just like freeway and you're going a hundred yeah. and then all of a sudden you're in a town and the speed limit's 50 yeah. kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. I'm not going to calculate it for the Americans. 35. I don't care. And <laughs> yes, we got a speeding ticket. Yeah. Um, that's called the speed trap. Yes, there's a policeman sure waiting right there for you. Absolutely, <laughs> probably and the main the main source of income for that for probably. that Probably, um, because let me just say, yeah. we went to a restaurant and it was like the worst service experience I've had in my entire life. <laughs> Why? Because the waitress was like sitting at a table near ours, just like hanging out with friends. Okay. And we were like sitting there, like waiting for our food for so long. Yeah. No, no, no. we were sitting there waiting for menus, and she oh. was sitting and chatting with someone else. Yeah. And we were like. You're strangers. Can we get a menu, and then she like dropped off our menus, and then was just gone. <laughs> she was just like we couldn't, didn't even see her. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like really because we were sitting out on the patio. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe it's really busy inside. And I went inside to go to the bathroom. Not a single person inside except for a waitress sitting on her phone at an empty booth. I was like, what is happening? Where did our server go? And then she came back after like ten minutes. Yeah. To take our order, and there was, I think, three groups of people. Yeah. At this entire restaurant. Yeah. We were all out on the patio. Yeah. And they had at least two servers because there was the other one sitting in the booth and ours. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, and then our food came back, came out to us like so late. Mm. Like really after like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And we did tip her because um the United States is crazy for how little they pay service staff. Yeah. So you can't not tip someone, you know? I don't know, dear. It's like... Sounds like you're encouraging them. Well, we got really good service, but does she deserve to get paid $2 an hour for that? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. She's still working. <laughs> not doing a very good job, but she's still working. That's, that's rare to me, because I, I always feel like the United States has, like, some of the best service people. Yeah. It, like yeah, it usually does. They're actually, like, really friendly and, yeah. and not intrusively friendly, just, like... 
like really mm-hmm. good like staff whether yeah. it's like a restaurant or a store or whatever yeah you never feel like you know people are like looming over you but at the same time they're always ready to help mm-hmm. so i'm surprised that uh yeah that i mean bad. it was like a tiny little town in montana my home montana so you should have gone to montana's <laughs> what were you thinking i was thinking it was a race thing <laughs> which i didn't even consider until right now a race thing yeah oh okay hmm. i don't know I guess I'm making some assumptions. Yeah. But it's not even something that occurred to me until right now. Yeah. And I was like, why would those people be so rude to us? I mean, Mary, you mm-hmm. you do you do have like kind of reddish skin like me, but I don't think you're actually a strawberry, so I don't I don't think that there's <laughs> there was a race question. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um <laughs> What do you think of it? Uh it's a good song. Yes. I like the trumpet. Is it a trumpet? It is a trumpet, yeah. I like the singing. Yeah. I like the ending of it, too. Yes. I don't I don't usually love sound effects in songs, mm-hmm. but I think that they do a good job of it. Well, they make it entertaining by, like, just piling it on. Yeah. It's like, it starts off as sort of like the sound of a... Because the song, like, the, the word, the lyrics of the song are about... The song is basically a critique of the middle class for sitting on their hands while the poor were being... Uh, being oppressed by this military regime mm-hmm. who were supported by the middle class, yes. who were afraid of the poor people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the song is saying, like, the people are going in and out of the dining room. And I, you know, and so the, you know, episodes, na sala de jantar, which is, you know, uh, the dining room, sala mm-hmm. de jantar. And so the end of the song has that sound of, of silverware and stuff like that, but it keeps building and building. Like, it just becomes more and more. And then, of course, there's that humming noise that sort of builds up as well. Yeah. Tropicalia is sort of the result of lots of different talented people coming together in this weird sort of moment, which is, you know, the great, all great movements are kind of, that's what they're, they're about, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Caetano Veloso, of course, Gilberto Gil. We have Usma Tanches, but we also have Rogero Duprat, who was a, a classically trained, well, classically trained avant-garde uh, modern music. Like he, that's what his background is. He, he uh, studied under Boulez and under uh, Karl Heinz Stockhausen. So, he was bringing like a real wealth of 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 understanding of like music concrete, yep. as well as like the avant garde and stuff. So he was really fascinated by by Veloso's you know initial kind of ideas at the beginning of it. He thought it was really cool this idea of like taking because tropicalia is basically the the marrying of traditional Brazilian forms with international music, whether it's jazz, classical, or pop music. You know, and so someone like Os Matanches would definitely be you know taking you know a certain amount of of you know, familiar Brazilian forms and then marrying them to uh, rock and roll, right. uh, you know, styling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And But this song is kind of falls outside of that because it's so incredibly orchestrated by, by Duprat. You know, you've got the oboe playing, you've got the, mm-hmm. the trumpet doing its weird sort of very Beatlesque, yeah. very Penny Lane yeah. kind of sounding trumpet. The opening trumpet sound is was actually the, was actually this, the, the, a sound that was played for the the nightly news in Brazil, so it had that kind of fanfare. Yes, and, you know now the news. So yeah. they stole that and put it at the beginning of the song. Mm. So the song is sort of like, here's the news. Yeah, you know, this is important. This is important. Here's yeah. you know, this is a, this is. Uh, and so I think we've talked about this much, but I just want to talk about them a little, in a little bit more detail because we mm-hmm. kind of skirted like parts of their career. But yeah, but so uh, they were formed in Sao Paulo, which is the biggest city in uh, South America, mm-hmm. as we know from the song Baby. And, by Ridley. Or uh, by Austin Matanches, sorry. Well, but written by Catano Veloso, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, it was a bassist keyboardist, Arnaldo Baptista, and the guitarist Sergio Diaz Baptista. He just went by the name Sergio Diaz, so I guess they didn't have, like, they didn't want to admit they were brothers in the band, I suppose. And then the lead singer, Rita Lee. 
in the, the original, so Arnaldo Baptista was in a band called The Wooden Faces with uh, some friends, one guy named Rafael Villarde and another guy named Roberto Loyola and, and, their bro- and his brother Claudio. So a year later, they met Rita Lee, who was singing with, in a group called, sort of an all-female group called The Teenage Singers, which I just love those sort of names, the sort of, uh, I guess, Portuguese-English, we'll call it. Sure. Just the sort of things where you're like, teenage is cool, we'll call ourselves the Teenage Singers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, can I, sorry, can I just yeah. say something? I wanted yeah. to check and see if, it's Sao Paulo, right? Yeah. If Sao Paulo was still the biggest city in okay. um, South America. Yeah. So it's the most populous city in Brazil. Yeah. In the Americas. Yeah. North and South. Yeah. Uh, in the Western Hemisphere. Yes. And in the Southern Hemisphere. Wow. So. That's a dang big city. Yeah. Oh, it's also the largest Portuguese speaking city in the world, mm. which seems redundant at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That must it's be, uh, a huge the city. world's fourth largest city proper by population. Wow. Mm. Wow. Where is it located? Is it is it in the, in the, in the North? It is. Uh, yeah. Well, it's kind of it's a red dot on the map there. Okay, so not quite, not quite as, hot, t- as far up as Bahia, or not Bahia. Sorry, uh, the 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 made the made up city of Brasilia. <laughs> not In- made up. It's just new. <laughs> well, yeah, the imp- the imposed city of Brasilia, imposed on the Amazon. So they met Rita Lee, and they really liked her. So they convinced her to join the band. And at the same time, Sergio, the youngest member of the Baptista family, joined on guitar. And so the band changed its name to the Six Sided Rockers. Uh, to refer to you know sort of uh, reference the fact that now there were six people in the band, and then they changed it to O Conjunto or O, o Con. It's actually I couldn't say O Conjunto. I'm, I'm I slip into Spanish sometimes when I'm talking trying to do Portuguese. Right. Because when I first started learning Portuguese, I assumed that they were very similar in their sounds, which I think is a f- fair assumption to make. But they're not. They're radically different in, yes. in how and in pronunciations and 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 how they speak. And mm-hmm. it's quite a bit different. It's a, it's a well, interesting. Well, I I recently. Um, did a uh, read a little bit about Portugal's history okay. as a country. Yeah. And I don't think they were ever technically part of Spain. No, no. They were always... part of the Kingdom of Leon for a while. <laughs> okay. Um, but they have been their own. They're like one of, I think they're like the oldest, like one of the oldest continuous or one of the oldest like uh, countries in Europe. It's weird. I wonder if there's like a big mountain range that separates Spain and Portugal. Something, something must. Yeah, make it hard to like go in there yeah. and like yeah, because like they were they were a part of like when the Moors had the whole Iberian Peninsula like yeah. they were part of that yeah yeah um and they were like um they were part of the Reconquista as well mm. and that's when they established themselves as a as Portugal okay um but then they were under the Kingdom of Leon for a while and then they got their independence mm-hmm. um but you know Portugal was under an authoritarian regime for. Like fifty years uh, in the in the twentieth century, yeah, kind of like Spain, I guess, with Franco. Yeah, yeah, very similar. It's from like nineteen. Well, it was right or nineteen thirty three to nineteen seventy four. Pretty much exactly the same as, yeah. as Spain with Franco. Well, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it was like you know Great Depression, mm-hmm. like right out right around then. Yeah. Which is when ever all of that um, was taking hold. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, like in Spanish, like Spanish to to speak is hablar. In Portuguese, it's falar. Mm. And then. In, Sp- in Spanish, they tend to soften some vowels. Like they don't really like to say their b's very much. They right. kind of, they kind of, or, or, or v's. They kind of okay. swallow them, so they kind of go like suaveza. They kind of like don't, yeah. they don't front, they don't put them too forward. Yeah. At least in the Spanish I learned. Mm-hmm. And whereas, so like a like a city in in Spanish is cu- cuidad. Okay. Cuidad. And so then, but in 
Portuguese, it's cidade. Okay. But it's C-I-D-A-D-E. Mm-hmm. So when I first read it, I decided it was cidade. Cidade yeah. or something like that, right? I didn't, I didn't know about this softening of the Ds yeah. and, and every other letter in the alphabet. So I'm going to assume that it's conjunto. O conjunto was the name of the, or together would be the name. And then they changed the name to Oseis, the six. In 1966, they backed the band Gemini 2 on their single L- Lindo, bracket Groovin, uh, in bracket. Groovin. Back with a song called Chow Mug, which I don't know that. It's T-C-H-A-U, and I wonder if it's like the uh, phonetic spelling of chow, like C-I-A-O. Oh, okay. The, the, the Italian. It's an Italian greeting or salutation, but it's been sort of adopted by most Romance countries as sort of a way to say hello and goodbye. And, and but uh, so they did, they did that for a record company called Continental Records. And so then that gave them the opportunity to record a single for Continental. So in the same year, in 1966... They released the single Suicida, written by Raphael and Roberto, backed with Apocalypse, which was written by Raphael and Rita. So it was Rita Lee's first writing credit. And super early on in the band's history, she's already starting to write. So I thought people, you know, would be kind of curious to hear Os Matanches from this time period. So I'm going to play Apocalypse. It's a little bit less... What's the word? It's a little, not as quite easy to, to get into as Suicida. Suicida is very much kind of a rock song. Whereas Apocalypse kind of is a little bit weirder, uh, most likely Rita Lee's influence. But so let's let's give a listen now. To, this is uh, Oseis. This is uh, pre Mutanches. The song is called Apocalypse. Came out on Continental Records in 1966. Here we go.
you hear from that that uh well a real beatles influence in that song with the with the kind of a clapping stomping sound in the in the chorus and yeah readily always fun you, you hear that song and there's it kind of breaks into this very readily element yes definitely like, ah there's the voice of readily the single was not a success it sold less than 200 copies so later that year claudio rafael and roberto left the group and rafael and roberto just kind of left entirely but claudio who quit because he was uncomfortable with live performance uh he kind of moved into the behind the scenes right and he became sort of the band's electrical wizard electronic wizard so at that time of course the military junta uh took over the country in 1964 it deposed with the help of the americans it deposed the uh democratically elected president of the country who was sort of left-leaning and was bringing in some measures that were obviously weren't going to be making American or international companies happy. He wanted to uh, have a tax that made them um, reinvest some of their profits into Brazil. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they they uh, opposed that. And next thing you know, he was gone. And so, so yeah, so so for people like Os Matanches or for ki- like young kids like Os Matanches, you could buy guitars and stuff like that. Yeah. But you couldn't buy like effects pedals and, and right. the sort of things that like the fuzz guitar sounds and stuff like that, that the Rolling Stones were getting and songs like, I can't get no satisfaction. They couldn't, they couldn't achieve. Right. So Claudio was able to figure out electronically how to make that kind of buzzing sound. And so he cool. created, you know, he created like, he tried to make a wah-wah pedal, but his wah-wah pedal worked backwards. Okay. So it was more of an ah-ah pedal. <laughs> But you know, so he you know he did his best though to try and yeah. figure out how to how to duplicate these sounds that that uh, that people were getting. And, you know, and it it's charming, but it also makes it interesting because it's slightly oh, different. Totally. So it's, it's unique. Yeah, exactly. It has its own sound. It's not just a copy of the wah wah pedal. It's it's its own awa pedal. Mm-hmm. Just something totally different. So 
with the other members gone, Arnaldo, Sergio, and Rita couldn't be the six anymore, so they renamed themselves Us Matanches at the suggestion of a fellow musician named Ronnie Vaughn, who was reading a science fiction book called Empire of the Mutants. And uh, Vaughn was a member of the musical scene, which was called Joven Garda, uh, the youth guard or young guard. And it was sort of the polite, acceptable face of rock and roll in Brazilian culture at that time. He wasn't on the show, but there was a TV show called Joven Garda, that's where the name came from, that featured some very popular pop singers of the day, Roberto Carlos, Erasmus, Erasmus Carlos, and mm-hmm. a female singer named uh, Wanderlei. Hmm. That was her, she said it went by the one name, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-E-A. And so they, um, so, you know, they were like, like I say, they, they were kind of, they were kind of uh, influenced by 50s rock and roll and by, also by the British invasion, but it was the polite version of, of you know, youth rebellion. So this was something that teens could get into. It was very much sort of in a bubblegum f- vein, I guess. Mm-hmm. Its other name, Joven Gardo, was called that. It was also called Yee 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 So kind of like Yee 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 Yeah, like like Yee Yee, like French Yee Yee music, referencing the Yaz of of the British invasion. Hmm. So yeah, so Ronnie Vaughn hosted his own TV show. It was called O, Pe- o Pequeno Mundo or Small World. And in 1966, October 15th, 1966, Osmatanches played the show for the first time and were so impressive on the show that they were they became a regular part of the show. Cool. Good for them. And they also backed Ronnie Vaughn on his 1967 67 album called Number Three. Meaning, I guess it was his third album. In 1967, Brazil's military dictatorship, which had risen to power through a coup d'etat in 1964, as we were saying, brought a new constitution in that restricted free speech and political opposition. So, the thing was, they kind of did in half measures. They were a very polite military dictatorship. You know, they still allowed some freedom of the press. Right. They still allowed some demonstrating. They just didn't like it. And when it got too much of that... When it got carried away and started to undermine their authority, mm-hmm. then they cracked down on it. And that was the introduction uh, later in 1968, we'll talk about it in a bit, the a- AI-5, it was called. So, despite these laws, uh, political opposition continued to foment anyway. So, popular music began to f- um, feel the freeze as right-wing government opposed the rock and roll sounds pouring into Brazil from around the world on moral grounds. When, while the left opposed it as an imperialist destruction of Br- Brazil's native musical forms. So one side was concerned with the moral effect of this music pouring in. Right. And the left was a, was a concern with the, you know, imperialist, mm-hmm. capitalist... Uh, yeah, the like, you know, colonial implications. Yeah, of, the colonialism yeah. Of, of, of Brazilian music. Of European music, British music. So this affected Os Matanches, who did this mm-hmm. on a pequeño mundo. And so they began to appear less and less to the point where they just finally left the show. Mostly because they disagreed with the government's guidelines, and so they wouldn't they wouldn't kind of go along with what the government wanted, and so that affected their appearances on the show. Mm. Yeah, like Tropicalia, like I was saying before, would kind of take the middle position, well, would take the popular position of the middle way, which is always, mm. of course, everyone loves the middle way, right? They opposed they opposed both sides. They had objections, so they wedded foreign and immoral rock influences with homegrown Brazilian music, like samba and bossa nova, particularly bossa nova, which is something that all of them loved. So early in 1967, Ospitanches would leave Pequeno Mundo, and around that time they met a conductor named Rogério Duprat, who played a decisive part of the band's career. Uh, it was through his sponsorship that the group began to participate in the great Brazilian music festivals, which were then in their heyday. Mm-hmm. So these would be the sort of contests they would have, where you know bands would be invited to play one or two songs, and then they would be voted who was the best song. And these were incredibly popular at the time. 
and were you know filmed and shown to people around the country, and it was a big it was a big deal. It was also Duprat who brought the band to the attention of Gilberto Gil, uh, suggesting they back Gil's then wife Nana Kami on her recording of Bom Dia and backing her during her performance at TV Records' third festival of popular music well, of popular music of Brazil. Although none of the Matanches could read music or understood the complex arrangements of Duprat, this went right so, over their head. They were cl- they were clever enough. They were quick learners enough that they could they could fake it, and they so they recorded a song called Domingo No Parque with Gilberto Gil, and they performed it with him at the festival. And basically, Domingo No Parque and Alegria Alegria by Catena Veloso mark the debut of Tropicalia. And that was sort cool. of the first time people heard this sort of new sound. And this it, was 1967? This is 1967. And in both cases, they kind of uh, slide it in there. They don't... It's not really in your face. Yeah. It's kind of like subtly... They're not like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So, like, Alegria, Alegria, we're going to play in a bit. You'll hear it. And it uses, like, electric guitars. It uses electric electronic instruments. But it does it in a way that still respects Brazilian song forms. And, you know, and it's not... It's more of a comment on life in that time period, not not political comment, but just sort of right. cultural comment. Yes. So let's let's give a listen to Domingo No Parque. This is Gilberto Gil from his first solo album in 1967, or his first album, I should say, since he never. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, this is uh, Domingo No Parque. Everyone, here we go. <laughs> O rei da brincadeira, rei José, o rei da confusão, rei João, um trabalhava na feira, José, outro na construção. A semana passada, no fim da semana, João resolveu não brigar. No domingo de tarde saiu apressado e não foi pra Ribeira jogar. Capoeira não foi pra lá, pra Ribeira foi namorar. O José, como sempre, no fim da semana, guardou a barraca e sumiu. Foi fazer no domingo um passeio no parque, lá perto da boca do rio. Foi no parque que ele avistou Juliana foi que ele viu Foi que ele viu Juliana na roda com João Uma rosa e um sorvete na mão Juliana seu sonho, uma ilusão Juliana e o amigo João o espinho da rosa feriu Zé E o sorvete gelou seu coração O sorvete e a rosa A rosa e o sorvete Foi dançando no peito Do José brincalhão O sorvete e a rosa A rosa e o sorvete Foi girando na mente Do José brincalhão 
Juliana girando Foi na roda gigante Foi na roda gigante O amigo João O sorvete é morango Foi girando e a roda Foi girando, girando Foi girando, girando Olha a faca, olha o sangue na mão Juliana no chão Outro corpo caído Seu amigo João Amanhã não tem feira Não tem mais construção Não tem mais brincadeira Não tem mais confusão That was uh, Sunday in the Park by Gilberto Gil. And you can kind of hear in there, Mary, the how kind of subtly they were working these uh, new kind of sounds into the song. Uh, more, he was doing it way more subtly than, than uh, Caetano Veloso, and that's probably why his song came in second right. at that competition that year. And Caetano's came in fourth, because his was more kind of in-your-face use of the electric instrument and stuff like that, whereas those matanches are very much kind of mixed down into the mix of this song, you know. All right, so let's go on to our next song. This is the next song on the mix, not not just a song I'm playing off the top of my head. Uh, this is this is um, Caetano Veloso, and the song, as I was mentioning before, this is Alegria, Alegria. I did not kind of intentionally do this, but it, it seems to have worked out well for me in terms of <laughs> talking about this stuff historically anyway. Uh, this comes from his first album, which was self-titled Caetano Veloso, his first solo album, uh, 1968. And uh, let's give a listen. This is Alegria, Alegria, which means happiness, happiness, or joy, joy. Happiness, happiness. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Caminhando contra o vento Sem lenço, sem documento No sol de quase dezembro Eu vou O sol se reparte em crimes Espaçonaves, guerrilhas Em cardinales bonitas Eu vou Em caras de presidentes Em grandes beijos de amor Em dentes, pernas, bandeiras, bomba e Brigitte Bardo O sol nas bancas de revista Me enche de alegria e preguiça Quem lê tanta notícia Eu vou por entre fotos e nomes Os olhos cheios de cores O peito cheio de amores Pensa em casamento E eu nunca mais fui à escola Sem lenço, sem documento Eu vou 
Eu tomo uma Coca-Cola, ela pensa em casamento E uma canção me consola Eu vou por entre fotos e nomes Sem livros e sem fuzil Sem fome, sem telefone No coração do Brasil Ela nem sabe até pensei na televisão O sol é tão bonito Eu vou sem lenço, sem documento Nada no bolso ou nas mãos Eu quero seguir vivendo back and mary what did you think of catano veloso's alegria alegria um yeah uh, i love his singing voice yes yeah okay. it's so good um it's definitely different than austin mutanches yeah his um yeah you def you you're it's, definitely like listening to someone who's playing with the form a lot more than they are where they're they're just like straight ahead pretty much rock and roll kind of in their sound oh really and he is he is uh twisting the bossa nova and stuff like that into this sort of new form oh, okay. in, front of, in front of our very eyes. Yeah. I thought it was, I, I kind of saw the opposite. Okay. Where I felt like his was a bit more straightforward. Mm. And Austin Mutantes was a sort of incorporating more different things in where they had like the sound effects and yeah, they had the different yeah. kind of instruments. And sure. Theirs feels, I like Austin Mutantes. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like their stuff often feels kind of like almost amateur. Okay. Yeah. And how sort of like. Yeah. Is this kind of like sometimes it's a little all over the place? Sure, sure. You sure. know, it's just kind of yeah, like they seem to, particularly later, yeah, especially later, yeah, they seem to lack editing. Yeah, yes, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I found that his this song was a lot more rhythmic mm. and didn't have as much like sort of dissonance yeah, as yeah. the Osmutanche song yeah. has. But I think once again, because you know the idea of these songs, both for Jill and for for Veloso, and when I'm saying. I think I'm talking more about the lyrical content of the song, oh, okay, not yeah. so much the music, because like I said, they're trying to sneak this in, right? Yes. Even though he's got like... I mean, I don't understand any of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. That's, so that's... Me neither, me neither. So, right. You know, that's maybe, you know, because I'm not a big lyric guy, mm-hmm. it doesn't really kill me that I don't understand the lyrics. And when I have translated the lyrics for these songs, because yeah. I, can, I can speak a it's smattering... It's like a bunch of idioms you don't even understand. <laughs> it's the idioms or it's so simple that you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. You know, okay, I get it. Yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm right. Glad I learned English to learn that. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's kind of the same, right? Like sometimes it's just very simple. But this song is is it's quite complex because it's it's an exploration. Like so, when he did this song the year before, an uh, artist named Chico Borque had won first place for his song, which was called Abanda, and that song was about a band. It was about like marching bands and gazebos in the park, and it was a very evocative, nostalgic song about the past which of course is very a very beloved subject of 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 dictatorships is the past because the past you can never it can never fade or never diminish right it's always Mm -hmm. the best and so you know the present sucks but the past was great we can we can we can recover that past if we just do these following steps get rid of all these bums so (laughs) 
So yeah, so he took he took uh, Borke's Abanda and incorporated it into the song. So he's quoting lyrics from Abanda, but then he's also bringing in all the sort of modern elements. So yeah, he references gasoline, you know, so it kind of references like the Shell Motor Company, who are of course a big and Ford Motor Company, who are big supporters of the of the government. In fact, they gave right. they gave them money so they could run you of know course. death squads and stuff like that. Yeah. Those were paid for by corp- American corporations. Of course they were. And, it's not uh, surprising at all. So it references Brigitte Bardot. It I mean, references Claudia Elon Cardinale. Elon Musk is still doing that. Yeah. He's tried to stage a coup in Bolivia very recently. Okay. To get their lithium. Yeah, yeah. For his cars. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. It failed, thankfully. Yeah, but. Uh, and then in the song, he also drinks a Coca-Cola. So all, all these sort of American international things that he's yeah. referencing, you know, like, whereas, so like I say, like, Borke is sort of referencing this golden... Never to be achieved or seen again past. Mm-hmm. Whereas Alegria, Alegria for Veloso is is about the present and about the freedom mm-hmm. that people didn't have in this present. Because right. throughout the song, he talks about uh, no identification, mm-hmm. traveling without papers, mm-hmm. and so these are uh, uh, you know things that come up throughout the song. Right. And so obviously uh, critiquing the the government of that time and it's yeah. it's it's yeah. you know it's uh because in 1968 like i was saying the government brought in a a constitutional change called a15 and what they did was it well it basically shut down all the democratic institutions so congress was shut down all the power was in the hands of the dictatorship right it restricted freedom of the press it restricted freedom of movement it restricted freedom of speech hmm. protesting was no longer allowed uh, images and news and everything was sent was uh, you had to go through censoring and they got rid of habeas corpus. Right. So that, of course, speeds up uh, the trials because you don't need to prove that someone, whatever happened, happened. You mm-hmm. can just state it as a, you know. Oh, totally. You know, it's, so. Once you, yeah, if you, uh, once you allow yourselves to make the truth, <laughs> then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this was all going on. So, you know, he's sort of commenting very slyly on it at the same time, sort of like sliding it in under the door. Yeah. You know, in a way that the audience wouldn't, the audience wouldn't you know, get mad about, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think I find, I find protests through things like this really interesting. It seems very, it seems much more effective to me. Mm-hmm. Well, like, cause I think that it is a way to sort of, uh, get people who are interested in like, not like, aren't necessarily interested in politics mm-hmm. to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because people might just like that music. And then they listen to the music and then they hear about it. Yeah. Right? Like, an example, today I was listening to um, the American Birding Association podcast. Um, right, Mary. They were doing their... This, I think this is going to be a reach, everyone. But no, it's not. They're, they're doing their this month in, in birding. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there's something called a big day in birding. Okay. And a lot of the time they do global big days, which is when one of the big birding organizations holds like a global big day where they encourage everyone to go up birding so yeah. that we can have really high numbers for that day for okay. birding. And it like contributes to citizen science and stuff with birding and like blah, blah, blah. But one of the things, it's also kind of like a competition okay. where each country wants to have the highest number. And yeah. every year Colombia wins because uh-huh. Colombia just has the most birds. It's just... Okay. Like they just have like the most different species wow. of birds, wow. um, and every year they win. Yeah. Except this year they didn't for the first time in like forever because of a bunch of birders in Colombia didn't participate as a form of protest. I see to like raise awareness. Yeah. For um, the po- political like problem, political yeah. issues going on in Colombia yeah. at the time, like yeah. right now, yeah. and that's something I didn't even know about. Mm. And mm. I'm like not 
I I have been getting a bit burnt out on politics recently. Yeah. But I tend to be like we kind of know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. Stuff about um. I guess there was like a tax that they were Is trying Ronald to. Ronald Reagan still president? <laughs> There's a tax that they were trying to introduce that was going to be really hard on the lower classes. Yeah. Um. And they ended up... Surprise, surprise. Yeah, right? And they, I guess they had, like, the government had made a bunch of, had, like, signed a thing and made a bunch of promises. And then didn't follow through with them. Freaking Milton Friedman, man. That guy is a jerk. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I I just thought that it was, like, an interesting, an interesting way to find out about this issue. Yeah. Was through just a hobby, right? I imagine (laughs) it would be the same for people who... Or just listening to this music, yeah, and yeah. they like maybe go to look more into it. Yeah, or and... they're just unconsciously taking in yeah. the 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 meaning of the song mm-hmm. and not really recognize, not really realizing why that they. But you know, like the problem with the problem with like the military dictatorship in Brazil is that it lasted till 1985 or so. Yeah, it lasted a long time, and you know, the 70s were like this golden time in 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 Brazil. You know, in terms of economy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the reason it was is because the country was being entirely stripped of all its resources by foreign, like, by foreign c- companies and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, totally. And, like, the lower classes were just being, like, completely trampled on. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have any rights. Yeah. And rich people just kept getting richer. Yeah. yeah. There's Milton no one, Friedman, no one reining them in. Milton Friedman! <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, um... Anyway, we don't want to get too political, everyone. It's just the situation, of course, in Brazil yeah. at this time was, was pretty political. So, Mayor... Yes. Caetano Veloso was born in the state of Bahia, which is in northeastern Brazil. So what I imagine there is it's hot. It's a hot tamale, that area of the country, up there by the equator. Yeah, probably. Because the weird thing about South America, of course, is it works the opposite of us, right? Like, the farther south you go, the more more temperate it gets. Well... The farther north you go, the more... The more uh, the more hot it gets. I mean, yes. We have, it the dif- we have it differently. Yes, but... Up here, it's nice and mild and... Yeah, but I mean, you, you're you just going further away from the equator in both. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of yeah. interesting that you... No, it is. Yeah. It is. He had six brothers and, and sisters, including the very popular Brazilian singer, Maria Batan... Bat- I have to say this carefully. Batania. Batania? Batania. Okay. Her name was actually chosen for her by Catano Veloso, so... Oh, really? When she was became a singer, yeah. So, it's actually just her first two names... So the people, a lot of those like Brazilian people have like four or five names. That's in common a, in, in a crazy in, row. Um, yeah, in like I think like I was going to say romance languages, but maybe it's just a Spanish thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or or Portuguese thing. I, I, I know it's common <laughs> in like um span like uh, Latin America as well, mm-hmm. other parts mm-hmm. of Latin America. Yeah, interesting. So uh, in 1960, Veloso moved with his family to Salvador, where he learned to play guitar. And during that time, from 1960 to 1962, he wrote film reviews for a Bahian newspaper uh, called Diarias das Noticias or something like that. I didn't write that name down. I'm just trying to remember it. Uh, and not doing a good job of it. Anyway, yeah. He, um, yeah, he wrote film reviews as well as staging musical presentations with his sister in local bars. He made his debut in the theater in 1963 with the score for the play Boca da Aurora. Aurora? Oruru, Oruru, whatever, how you say it. Sorry, everyone. Sorry if you're Portuguese and I'm, I'm massacring your language. I apologize. The show also featured a sister, Maria Batania. And that same year, Veloso and Batania met singers Gal Costa and Gilberto Gil. Uh, and they have been friends ever since. They're lifelong friends. They are friends to this very day. Cool, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Veloso had been invited to put on a music concert to inaugurate the Teatro Villa Velha. So the four singers came together and staged the show 
Nos por ejemplo in 1964, which means us, for example. The show was a big success and was presented again 20 months later, this time with the participation of a new friend, singer-songwriter Tom Zay, another longtime friend of the group. Cool. The group would produce another show called Nova Bossa Velia, a Velia Bossa Nova, which means old new bossa and new old bossa. And that same year, Velosa and Gilles would direct Betania in her own musical, Mora na Philosophia, which means lives in philosophy. And I just want to point out that um, Veloso and Gilles went to university. Uh, Veloso studied philosophy, hence most of his content of his songs, and Gilles studied uh, governance. Hmm. And he later served as minister of culture in the uh, Brazilian government. Cool. So because of all these appearances, in 1965, she was offered the chance to replace the bossa nova singer Nara Laong in a show called Opinion. Or Opinion. Uh, in, but it was in yeah, Rio. I understand. It was in Rio de Janeiro. Okay. And so she and Caetano moved there so she could perform in the show. And it was here that Caetano won a lyrics competition for his song Umdia, and like his sister, was signed to RCA Victoria Records, probably through her support. So that year, Batania released her first single, a protest song called Karkara, and Veloso released his first single, Samba and Paths. So the song really, you know, it's it's not. We're not at Alegria, Alegria, yes. This song demonstrates Veloso's love of the bossa nova stylings of Jao Gilberto, a musician who he described as the master. And so let's give a listen to Caetano Veloso's very first single. This is Samba M. Paz, which came out on RCA Victor in 1965. <laughs> O samba vai crescer Quando o povo perceber Que é o dono da jogada O samba vai vencer Pelas ruas vai correr Uma grande batucada Samba não vai chorar mais Tô Toda gente vai cantar O mundo vai mudar E o povo vai cantar Um grande samba em paz Samba and Paz, which um, I'm not sure what that means. I think it means peace. Paz means peace, right? So maybe peace. Probably. Peace Samba? Peace Dance? 
so his single was not a huge success, though, and mm-hmm. uh, it would take a little while before he was able to sign a new deal with Phillips. But even with the, the screwdriver, the screwdriver, yeah, the screwdriver mm-hmm. shape. Yep. Not just because there's no there's no brand. There's no there's brand called Phillips. Brand, it's yeah. a Phillips head screwdriver. Yep. You're right. And that's that's who that's who signed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because that label was screwy. <laughs> but, but even with the sponsorship, <laughs> well, Dad, I'm glad you. I really that. hope yeah. that they didn't screw him over. <laughs> well, <laughs> you made me a joke to death, Mary. It's a record label, of course it is. <laughs> so even with the sponsorship of his sister Maria Batania, who is like super popular this by this point, just she's one of the most popular singers of all time in Brazil. Veloso was not willing to undertake a complete album, so Veloso teamed up Veloso. Velozu? Velozu. Velozu. That's how you say it. And Velozu, anyway, teamed up with Gal Costa, and they released an album in 1967 called Domingo, or Sunday, uh, which is still very much in the bossa nova style of João Gilberto, albeit with different lyrical concerns, because Gilberto was not writing his songs under a military dictatorship. He was writing more about, you know, girls at the beach. But it's not a duet album so much. It's There's two songs where they sing together. It's basically just them singing separate songs, you know, Across, across the album, sort of evenly divided. But I'm going to play one song from the, the two of them singing together. This is Gal Costa and Catano Veloso uh, singing Corazon Vagabundo, so Vagabond Heart. This is from the album Domingo from 1967. Here we go, everyone. Coração não se cansa de ter esperança de um dia ser tudo que quer. Meu coração de criança não é só a lembrança de um vulto feliz de mulher que passou por meu sonho sem dizer adeus. E fez dos olhos meus um chorar mais sem fim Meu coração vagabundo quer guardar o mundo em mim Meu coração vagabundo quer guardar o mundo em mim Meu coração não se cansa De ter esperança de um dia ser tudo o que quer Meu coração de criança Não é só a lembrança De um vulto feliz de mulher Que passou por meu sonho Sem dizer adeus E fez dos olhos meus um chorar mais sem fim Meu coração vagabundo Quer guardar o mundo em mim Meu coração vagabundo Quer guardar o mundo em mim All right, so that was uh, Caetano Veloso with Gal Costa and from their album 
their album Domingo. And Mary, I've said yes. it before and I'll say it again that Gal Costa, I think, is my favorite woman, yeah, woman singer in Ever? the world. Yeah, she, oh, wow. I, I love her voice. Cool. I think she's just so, such wonderful control. Even this young, like a callow singer, you know, she's still like a teenager at this point. And it's just amazing, like her control and, and her, uh, yeah. Like if you listen to that song carefully and just listen to her, her uh, choice of notes and where she chooses to like sing a little louder, sing a little softer, and where, you know, it's just amazing yeah. her, her control. And it's just, it's a, it's fantastic. So basically, Voloso treated this album as it, he was a guest. Mm-hmm. He was a guest singer on someone else's album, even though it was his own songs. It was produced by a producer named Dory Kema, who, or Kami, who was the, brother of Nana Kemi, the, the wife, uh, the then wife of Gilberto Gil, who also played acoustic guitar in it. So Veloso didn't play a guitar in it. He just showed up and sang because by that point, uh, well, one thing is he, he, he said it was easier to sing my own songs if I pretended they were someone else's because he's a little bit shy at that time, but partly also because he had progressed beyond that style. He was already starting to, the germ of Tropicalia was occurring to him at this point. What he wanted to do with this, this idea of marrying, you know, political commentary with traditional Brazilian forms and international musical forms, mm-hmm. there's a certain being to stir in his mind. And so, in fact, that same year, Filoso made his controversial appearance at TV Records' third festival of popular Brazilian music, where he performed Alegria, Alegria, accompanied by the Argentinian rock group, the Beat Boys. And so initially booed by the audience, the song soon won the audience over, and mm. he came in fourth, which wasn't as high as, as, as Gilberto Gil, but the song itself became the anthem of 1967 for Brazil. Cool. It sold in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. It was all over the radio. It made, it made, uh, Catano Veloso, that song. And yeah, it established him as a star and it allowed him to take Tropicalia a step even farther, and we'll we'll listening. I we won't be listening to the song Tropicalia on this side. It's on the next side, but it's a real step forward. It's an amazing song. So uh, let's go to, as I've already said, my favorite uh, female singer, Gal Costa. This is Mamai Coragem or Courage Mother uh, from the album Tropicalia that came out in 1968. So pretty amazing year for for this group of people. They all put out solo albums. Except for Gal, she uh, didn't get hers out till early '69. But, but they all put out solo albums, and then they put out this great manifesto of, of a declaration of intent in Tropicalia or Panis Acercensis, or however you say it. So um, here, here it goes, everyone. This is Mamai Corjane from Tropicalia. Chore, a vida é assim mesmo, eu fui embora Mamãe, mamãe, não chore Eu nunca mais vou voltar por aí Mamãe, mamãe, não chore A vida é assim mesmo, eu quero mesmo é estar aqui Mamãe, mamãe, não chore Pegue os panos pra lavar em um romance as contas do mercado pague as prestações ser mãe é desdobrar fibra por fibra os corações dos filhos seja feliz 
What did you think of Mamai Corrigine? The beginning of this song, yeah. I was like, what is this, Sloan? <laughs> like, well, I guess they did it first, but yeah. I was like, what, are they copying Sloan? <laughs> what, did they listen, did they travel into the future to Canada? Did they travel 25 years into the future to Canada and listen to a song by Sloan and then be like, I like the idea for that to start a song and then travel back in time yeah, yeah. and then do that? Sure, sure. Probably. I think that's probably the most likely. It makes most sense. You know, they're not like doing a reference to like uh, nuclear bombs or nope. or you know bomb shelters nope. or the. <laughs> it's just just a reference to nope. just a reference to uh, many so, city maniacs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, makes sense. It does. I like the song. It was good. It's, I don't have much else to say about it. It's fine. That's fine because I'm going to say what I want to say about it, which is that what amazes me about a lot of the songs that Veloso singing and Gal Costa singing is that the songs don't have like a tra- like a beat. Like right. there's not like a tradition. Like this song doesn't have like a beat to it to me. Like it's it's a bunch of instruments hmm. parping and honking away in the background. And but she's singing <laughs> these this perfect yeah perfect uh, line of the song. Like she does not lose honking lose the song at all. is a funny funny word to use about instruments that you claim to enjoy the sound of <laughs> honking and parping. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I you know I think that's what I enjoy about them is the fact that. Duprat is using them in a, in a way that's challenging to the right. listener. He's not he's not sugarcoating these songs. He's he's as much interested in the challenge of Tropicalia as 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 Veloso and and Gilles were in Costa. So let's talk a little bit about Gal Costa. Okay, because that's not her name. Her name was Maria de Grassa Costa Pena Burgos. Hmm. And according to Caetano Veloso, Gal is a common nickname for girls named Maria de Grassa. Interesting. It was another person who insisted that she not use. Uh, that she changed her name, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But as a teenager, uh, Costa worked as a clerk in a Salva- in Salvador's largest record store because she wanted to be closer to music. She loved music so much, especially Joao Gilberto. That's sort of the link that tied all these people together. That she just she just wanted to be in the music there, and so she was friends with two two sisters who would eventually marry uh, Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil. Hmm. So at this time, uh, she was introduced to. Caetano Veloso through her friend, and at first Veloso thought that they were setting him up for a date, like a blind date with Gal Costa, and he wasn't too interested because he was kind of hot on her friend Dede rather yeah. rather than on on Gal. Not that Gal's not good looking; it's just that you know he was interested in someone else. He already had his heart set. Yep. Yeah, and so but that's not what they wanted. They wanted 
him to hear her singing. Right. But he's really unwilling to at first. He's just like, oh, just some little teenage girl. Mm-hmm. How good can it be? Blah. Yeah. So finally they convinced him to let her sing and she sang for him. And he said, you are the greatest singer in Brazil. <laughs> and he meant it. Yeah. He said, you are the greatest singer in Brazil. And so, of course, she joined him and Gilberto Gil mm-hmm. and Maria Batania in the many reviews that they did along with Tom Zay. And when Maria Batania moved to Rio de Janeiro to join the production of Opinion as a replacement for Nara Leong, she was accompanied by her brother, Catano Veloso, as I said before. And so Gal Costa soon followed, and she lived with her with her cousin in Rio de Janeiro hmm. while performing around the clubs and stuff there cool. with, with, with Veloso. And Gilberto Gil had already moved there, so once again, the whole team was together. Yeah, that's, ha- that's helpful. Yeah. And so Costa's professional debut as a singer, outside of the reviews and stuff that she was doing, but those were kind of more, they weren't really like super professional. They were more stuff that they mounted themselves, sort of like amateur theatrics, you know? Right. I've got a stage. Let's build a, let's put on a show. Uh, It was on Maria Petania's first album. They sang a duet on the Caetano Veloso song, Sol Negro, Hmm. which is uh, Black Sun. So let's give a listen to Maria Petania and Gal Costa. And you'll hear why I'm not a biggest fan of Maria Batania. I find her voice a little too deep for me. But uh, Gal Costa, mwah. So let's uh, give a listen, everyone. This is Sol Negro from Maria Batania's first album, which in the Brazilian tradition is called Maria Batania. Trago à noite o mar O meu canto é a luz De um sol negro e dor É o amor Que morreu na noite do Like I said, I'm not a, not the biggest fan of Maria Bethania as a singer. Um, her music, I haven't heard a lot of it to be honest with you. But what I've heard, I, it wasn't like up, really up my alley. But uh, I, I love the mix of the vocals there with Gal Costa and her singing together. And one interesting thing about Brazilian singing of this time period was their willingness to flat a chord a little bit, let, let the voices do a little bit. Of, like I was watching an interesting video about the girl from Ipanema, and the person was sort of breaking down the song. 
And it was just showing like how complicated the song structure is. It seems very simple. Do you know that song, Mary? Tall and tan and young and lovely, the girl from Ipanema goes walking. It's a very popular song in the 60s. It's in all kinds of different oh, albums, okay. different it interpretations. Familiar. And it was written by Tom Jobim, this guy. And um, it's it's really complicated in, in its song structure and how it, and the chordings and stuff like that. And you can hear that in this music as well, like how everyone's sort of taking that from it. So, so through Batani's support again, Gal Costa was able to release two singles on the RCA Victor label. Her first single, A Ving da ba- Bahia, I Came from ba- Bahia, was written by Gilberto Gil, with the B-side, Sing Voi Voce, written by, I don't know how to say these words, folks, sorry, written by Catano Veloso. I know Sing is yes. <coughs> Foy is I, I am you? I don't know. Anyway, I was you? Foy? Anyway, I should... I should uh, do a little uh, brushing up on my on my past my past uh, past tenses in, in yeah. Portuguese. So anyway, so uh, let's give a listen to this is Galcast. Hey, Galcast, sorry. You're not as bad as this um, Google Google translation yeah. of an article about Maria Batania that I'm looking at yeah. that consistently uses the wrong pronouns. Well, that's because they can't tell because they're going by so if if a word uh, it's programmed so that if the word ends in an o or in a masculine ending it gives it gives it the masculine turn of he or she so okay. sometimes because <coughs> usually it's talking about their career or something like that so mm-hmm. it's usually in a possessive form yeah and so it doesn't understand that possession possession is dictated by the but it object says, it says he says he says okay oh interesting yeah hmm. but yeah uh, of course uh, portuguese would be like spanish and other languages where they don't uh, they don't commonly use the pronoun because the pronoun is in the ending of the verb, so they don't oh, need okay. to use it. Yeah. So if they say he said, they don't actually put he in yeah. there, which would be ela or e- right. Well, yeah. E- no, I mean, I figured it was just like a yeah. issue with um. No, no, it's just yeah, because yeah, translations I mean, can't be perfect. No, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's just Google Translate. So <laughs> it's very simple program. Google Translate is famously terrible. You know, it's okay. Uh, I don't mind it. It 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 certainly helps because it's fine for like mm-hmm. if you're translating a single word. Yeah. It's not good if you're trying to translate more than a single word. Yeah. Like I. When I was researching this, I was mostly reading Portuguese sites because I have way more information. Yeah. And I could mostly like navigate through them, but sometimes mm-hmm. I would go to Google Translate because it might yeah. be some should've some used, word that I got lost. Should have used wordreference.com instead. <laughs> way better. <laughs> All right. I'll remember that next time. Word reference. Thanks, dear. Saved me in Thanks. high school. <laughs> All right. So l- now we're going to listen to Gal Costa. Okay. Singing Sing Foi Voce or something like that uh, from 1965. Here we go, everyone. Toda noite a saudade vai de verdade agora lhe procurar Como a mim que a tristeza tem Para sempre perdido além do sorriso Já sem poder chorar Nosso amor foi bom Foi de não se esquecer Era pra sempre Foi tão bonito Era de se esperar Mas foi você que não quis voltar 
Toda noite a saudade Vai de verdade agora lhe procurar That was Gal Costa with that cheeky little guitar in that song. I really like that part in the song. It's nice. Um, and Mary, you commented that we've, I've been playing a lot of extra stuff, but I kind of wanted to set the table in a way and kind of play the early stuff by these artists just to show where they started yeah. and where they went with Tropicalia. Because right. I think that's really interesting. And I also just want to let everyone know that, well, no, I'm not going to say that now. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit. So, um, yeah, so 1966, Gal sang Mina Senora. A song written by Gilberto Gil and the poet Torcada Nato at the second international music festival, but it did not take any prizes. It was at this time that Costa officially became Gal Costa at the urging of the producer, or actually more promoter, Guillermo Araujo. Araujo? <laughs> he felt that Maria. I it's Oju. Yeah, Oju. <laughs> he felt that Maria das Graças was not a professional name and too common, so he liked Gal Costa. In 1967, it's, she signed I with Philips. I always find it interesting what other cultures consider names that are too common. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you can't be named that. Everyone's <laughs> named that. And you're like, what? Oh, okay. Well, sure. Maria's basically Mary. So. No, I know. But like the whole thing, right? Yeah. Because they said gal was a common shortened yeah, version yeah. for people named Maria, Del, whatever. Das Grasses, yeah. Das Grasses. Yeah. And it's like, okay. It's yeah. like when I was in Quebec and every single person. Per, every single girl was named like Marie hyphen something. <laughs> All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Marie Hélène, Marie Neige. Marie Snow. Um, a lot of them had like boys' names too. Marie Claude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Curious. So there's named after their dad? I don't know. If you throw Marie on there and a hyphen, <laughs> it's what's a girl's name? It doesn't matter. Marie Edouard. Marie David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Marie David. I should have given you that, that middle yeah, name. Yeah, you definitely should have given me that name. Definitely would not have resulted in me <laughs> hating you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as I was going to say, she, in 1967, she signed up. with Philips Records. Okay. Uh, once again, through the support of Maria Bettania, Bettania. And then, like I said, due to label uncertainty, she did the album Domingo with Caetano Veloso. But as Veloso and Gilles became more wrapped up in the Tropicalia movement, they encouraged Costa to join them, inviting her to sing on their audio manifesto, the album Tropicalia. As I said, this was intended as a snapshot of the movement and a statement of intent. The album featured Veloso, Gilles, 
Nera Leong, mm-hmm. Tom Zay, mm-hmm. Os Matanches with contributions from Toccata Nato, mm-hmm. and of course the amazing mind-bending orchestrations of Rogerio Duprat. So, mm. so Costa sang on five songs, uh, two as a solo performer, Baby, and Mamai Corajame, and three in an ensemble, Parquet Industrial, which was a Tom Zay song, Enquanto Seu Lobo Naoveim, and Ino de Senor da Bomfim. Sorry, everyone, this murder, murder of the language. Baby, written by Catena Veloso, as I said earlier, was the breakout song on the album, which made a star of Gal, Gal Costa. All right, Mayor. Let's go on to our, yes, fourth song. I know I've played a million songs. Been recording for two hours. Been recording for two hours. <laughs> played a million songs. But we're going to go on to Tom Zay. And this song is Doi from his 1976 album. See how much I stretched a point? His 1976 album, <laughs> Estudando o Samba, or Studying the Samba. Now, I was going to say earlier, but I'll say it now. I kind of pick and, picked and chose the people I wanted to talk about in this first side. Because I didn't want to, like, Talk about front everyone, load. yeah, front yeah. load everything, and then the next episode have nothing to say about the, the remain, remaining yes. songs. So I'm not going to talk about Gilberto Gil okay. this episode. I'm not going to talk about Tom anymore. Zay. Anymore, anymore. Well, I mean, I've talked a little bit about him, you but I, I haven't really discussed his life and stuff like right, that. Right. Just sort of him in conjunction with other yeah. people. I'm not going to talk about Tom Zay. I'm okay. not going to talk about uh, Marcos Valle. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about Jorge Ben. Okay. Those will all, we'll go, we'll go into some detail Next episode, Marcus Valle is going to get very little mention because, we are quite honest, he had nothing to do with Tropicalia. I just put yeah, him in because I love the song. I've never heard of him. I just so. love the song Okafona so much, okay. so I had to put it on. Yeah, he's the only person I've ever heard of. Or Okafona, how do you say it? All right, so let's listen to Tom Zay from, like I say, his album Estudando o Samba that came out in 1976. This is Doi, which means pain. You can hear him talk about his corazón, his heart. Pain in his heart, everyone. Ooh, I heard so much. <laughs> Maltratei, sim, maltratei demais. Oi. E machuquei, que, 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 meu coração que bate, que bate calado, que bate calado, que bate, bate. Vai, vai, vai. Oi, 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 oi. Que bate calado, que bate, bate
And we're back. Mary. Yes. I'm pretty confident that you are a Tom Say fan as well as a... I am. You grew up listening to these people. (laughs) Yes. Which is, I apologize for. Because I obviously made my family a bunch of weirdos. Yes, true. Did not mean to. Well. Just wanted to share what I loved. Yep. It's all right. (laughs) Um. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) She didn't deny it. She could have said, no, dad. No, I'm not going to say that. That would be a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Eve and I were talking the other day and Eve, Eve was like, I think that if I grew up in another family, I could have been like... Like a really regular person, and she's like, I think I would have been fine with that. <laughs> she's the most normal of us all. Yeah, she is. To be honest with you. Yeah. And our many special interests <laughs> many, at fill our house. Special interests. <laughs> That's right. When I first heard Cotena Veloso on the radio, mm-hmm. I went and bought the first album, Tropicalia, yeah. and said, Oh, this is great. I'm now going to buy everything I can find by artists from this time period. Yep. Which was a I was, like, lucky I did this at the time I did it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess nowadays you, I can find them online, but I'm talking about, like, in those days in the 90s, like, I worked just around the corner from a really big record store. It was a mm-hmm. Virgin Megastore. Uh, and I could walk in there almost en- every week and right. find a new Brazilian artist I hadn't heard of before and buy, and buy it. Cool. And you know what? I did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I love this song. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I think that the beginning of it is, like, really playful. Yeah, yeah. But it... I mean, I, I can't, I don't know what he's saying. You know, but it is but, playful because he's saying, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Like, mm-hmm. doi, 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 right? Like, yeah. oh, the pain in my heart is so much. And he's right. singing this very elaborate way. But then what I was going to yeah. say was, it feels like it's really playful at the beginning. Yeah. But then it goes into, like, sort of more dramatic elements. <laughs> okay. And because of that, it kind of makes it, and then he goes back into, like, playful kind yeah. of. Yeah, And I was like, oh, is it like, is this like a storytelling song? It could be. Because he like, telling a story. Maybe where it like starts off good, yeah. and then things get hard, and then things are better again. It's about heartbreak, right? So song. yes, yeah, yeah. So you know, he's talking about, like I say, he's talking about the doi uh, na kara song in his heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, or na sua kara song. The interesting thing in one of the interesting thing about Portuguese is that it uses the in front of all words. Interesting. Like in front of like uh, possessives. Okay. It's not his car. It's the his car. Oh, okay. If you like, you know, translate it absolutely, you know, word for word, which you shouldn't Google. Yeah, Google. <laughs> Get it together, Google. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. We'll talk about Tom Zay in more detail next episode. So if you enjoyed that song, we'll hear some more from Tom Zay. I think we might actually hear another song from Tom Zay later. I might be wrong. But you'll hear, <laughs> you'll hear more from Tom Zay next time and we'll talk about his storied career. Cool. So let's move on to Gilberto Gil, another okay. artist I'm going to remain mum on. But this is from his 1972 album. Espresso, espresso, dois, 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 dois mil, dois, I don't know how I can say it. Uh, espresso 2222. Two, two, two. You're doing a good job. You're trying your best. <laughs> so and fine. that's what matters. <laughs> Thank you, dear. This is Sai do Sereno, which I've tried to translate, but I can't. I don't know what it means. Oh. So uh, let's listen to it. This is a kind of a fun, jazzy song, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. This is uh, Gilberto Gil. Sai, sai, 
Through songs. Um, what do you think of Saido Sereno by Gilberto Gil? I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's a fun yeah, song, it's a fun isn't song. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so what's the name, what's the word that you can translate? Sai, S A I, Do, which is of the Sereno. I don't, I'm not too sure what S I, S A I is. It might, I don't know if it's a verb or, or what. Leave. A leave? No, to leave. It's oh, a verb. Oh, to leave. So leave from the Serene? Exit what's, from the Serene? What's the, what's, what's the other one? Serena, spell it? Sereno? Spell it. S E R E N O. Yeah, serene, calm, tranquil, peaceful. So. Or do or mist. Oh, I like that. The idea of just leave tranquility. Yeah. That's a good name for a song, actually. That's cool. You know how I found that out, Dad? Yeah. What's that? Wordreference.com. Nice. Hello, everyone. We are sponsored by Wordreference.com. <laughs> well, Wordreference is how I figured out the uh, meaning of. Here, I'll just read it. Dad is grabbing one of his mini bon <laughs> This is This collection of Jules Rodin has this. Story in it called Sir Boom Pour Quatreru. Okay. So Pour Quatreru, of course, for four four wheels. Yep. But I didn't know what Sir Boom meant, so I looked. It's okay. I've already, I looked it up a long time ago. Okay. I found it on Word Reference okay. in a in a uh, forum. Yep. It means surprise party. Oh. It's a 1950s expression for surprise cool. party, which is wh- where these sto- uh, stories date from. That's great. Well, okay. One thing I really like about Word Reference is that they include slang. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, like they include slang or like expressions. Yeah. Right? So like if you look up a word, if there were expressions that went with it, mm-hmm. they would include those. Sure. And sometimes, because yeah, sometimes you're looking up a word, but you don't understand it's in the middle of an idiom where it doesn't really exactly. make any yes. sense outside of that context, right? So yeah, that's, it's really helpful. I agree with you, Mary. I should, I should turn to word reference. I will. Yes. I will make a point of that for the next episode. It is definitely the best, um, like, it's basically just a, like dictionary. Yeah. Right? It's like a French English dictionary. You know, like everyone had when they were in elementary school <laughs> and they were studying. Yeah. Um, you were doing your mandatory uh, learning French. Sure. Sure. As you do, as everyone does. Yeah. Right? Here in Canada. Yes. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the next song, sweetie? Or do you, do you want to see more about this song? Um, no, I'm good. Yeah. I just, I really love it. Uh, I will talk about more about Gilberto Gil next time. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll delve into my own thoughts about, about him and... Uh, Yes, I do. I do like him a lot. He's not my favorite of the Tropicalistas. Right. Oh, sorry. I just wanted I, to give... When an, he's good, he's great. Right. I just wanted to give an example. Yeah. So on word reference, for mm-hmm. example, I went to French English and I looked up fermé, which is close. Yeah. Um, but then they have a bunch of like composite forms. Sure. Right. So they have like fermé à double tour, which means make sure it's firmly locked. Mm. Right. So you're like, if you were to look it up, um, you'd yeah. be like closed two ways yeah and you're like what does that mean <laughs> right but make sure it's firmly locked like oh okay yeah i yeah, get that yeah no yeah. it's good you've sold this mary you don't have to sell anymore are you sure i don't I, somehow i suspect you're getting paid okay but what about this getting one paid by big what about this reference? one though okay which is ferme sa boite a camembert ferme sa boite a camembert so camembert uh-huh. is cheese so close your box of cheese it is shut your gob <laughs> or shut your cake hole <laughs> yeah, that's great yeah 
That's great. It's awesome. I think boat is box, though. It is box, yes. Yeah. And camembert is a type of cheese. Yeah, so chose, close your cheese box. Close your cheese box. That's great. That's just a great expression on its <laughs> Which own. is like, if you think about that yeah. and think about shut your cake hole, yeah. they make equal amounts of sense. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. All right. So let's move on to our next song, dear. This is um, this is Rita Lee, or Os Matanches in actual fact, but credited to Rita Lee. Okay. And this is a song I think we paid, played before. This is De Novo Aqui. Mi bom José, or again, my good friend Joseph, or Joe. This comes from uh, Oje e o primero día de resto de su vida, or today is the first day of the rest of your life. And this also came out in 1972. So let's give a listen to this great song. And we're back. What do you think of this song, Mayor? 
You've talked about it before, I think, but that's okay. Yes. Um, I think the song is fantastic. Yes. It's very joyful. It is so good, isn't it? It's very fun. Yeah. It's very poppy. I love the keyboard in it. Just that little piping keyboard in the background going, oh, it's so good. So good. The guitar, the he's kind of like, uh, just sort of really um, kind of, I think he's sort of deadening the strings with his fingers and then just sort of strumming on the guitar. Oh, okay. That's fantastic sounding. Like, the whole thing is, it's all these great sounds all together because let's talk a little bit about this album, everybody. This is 1972. Mm-hmm. So in March of 1972, Osma Tanches released their fifth What's this song called? Album. It's called De Novo Aqui Meu Bom José. We played this song on episode 43. Thank you. Um, which was for... Oh, it doesn't say. I don't know what say. So, um... Oh, but it was the one with Switchboard Susan. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So in March of 1972, as I was going to say, Osma Tanches released their fifth LP, which was called Mutanches e Seus Cometas no País das Borets, Barrets, uh, which which means in the English language, mut- mutants and the comets in the land of the Barrets. Barrets was a friend's slang term for joints. So it's basically a little bit of a drug mean, reference what do you there. Mean my friend's it? slang term. A friend had his own slang term for, oh, for joints. Oh, gotcha. And so he, he would call them Barrets. Okay. I don't know what that means in uh, Portuguese, but. Barrette, like you term. put in your hair. Yeah, there you go. Hair club. But, but he, he meant joints, of course. So uh, the album continued the progression of the group to longer songs in a kind of prog rock style, influenced by ELP and Yes. And and I'm not opposed to that. I'm not the greatest ELP fan in the world, but I do like um, Yes a lot. And I really like their longer songs. Their guitar playing is really great. And, and they really are a great musical band. They really understand like song form and how to make put together progressions and things like that. But that same year, the band learned that the first 16-channel deck in Brazil had been installed in Eldorado Studios in Sao Paulo. So they immediately went to this studio and started recording a bunch of songs there because they were so excited by this new technology. Instead of eight tracks, pooey, it was 16 tracks, Mary, which is why there's, this song is so dense with its voices and stuff like that. In fact, they were so excited. Before the song plays on the record, there's a little excerpt of the band discussing recording the song before the song starts. Of course, I can't understand what they're saying because they're speaking Portuguese, but it's kind of a fun little thing. Now, they tried to convince the record label... Is it right like that? No, B-A-U-R-E-T. Oh, A-R-E-T? Yeah. It might just be a nonsense word. Maybe. Yeah, the band tried to convince the record label to release another record, but the band's contract limited the band to one album a year. Yes, you talked about this last time. So the, they put it under, under Rita Lee's name. So yeah, so the record company had two things they were... One, they recognized the band was in some disarray mm-hmm. and was falling apart. And they're trying to promote Rita Lee. They're trying to promote Lee Rita Lee as a solo singer, but they're also trying to keep the band together. And because basically the reason the band was falling apart was because Rita Lee and the Baptista brothers were diverging in their opinion of what they should be doing as a band. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go in a more plank-wanking kind of a way, plank-spanking, playing their guitars and doing really long songs. And she wanted to kind of continue on in the vein that they've been fo- you know, using for a long time of pop songs with a rock element to them, but still poppy songs that were, yeah. you know. So the, ba- so the label thought that if they let the band do the first record as uh, their prog rock epic, and then gave the record to Rita Lee to do as she wanted, this would help with band relations. I don't know if this was a really good idea, but that's what they did. So Lee treated the album as a solo album using the Mutantis as a backing band and guiding the general direction of the album. Naturally, the rest of the band had input anyway, so you, we still kind of get those prog elements in the songs. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me and why I like it so much is the album does them in three minutes. It does them in two and a half minutes. It crams all that stuff into a shorter form. So instead of spreading out, 
she's like, well, if you want to do prog stuff, that's fine, but we're not going to go too long. We're going to keep this a short record. Yeah. You know, the Which like, I approve, because prog rock songs <laughs> are so long, and these do not need to be that long. I enjoy them myself, but I understand. I understand your feelings. Now, so this was the last album to feature the the original lineup of Los Matanches, because Ridley would soon be fired and or quit the band, depending on who is asked what happened. At this time, they blamed the the breakup on musical differences, but of course, as we talked about before, the male members of the group wanted to go a more progressive direction, which kind of left her out of the band in a way. She yeah. wasn't she wasn't a guitar player. She could play keyboards, mm-hmm. but Arnaldo Baptista also played keyboards, so right. she could really step on his toes. Yeah, and because by this point, the band was a five piece; they had a drummer and a bassist, mm. so they didn't need so Arnold Arnaldo Baptista could play the keyboards solely play the keyboards. Mm-hmm. So that kind of left Rita Lee out out of it. So yeah, and at this point, was she married? To one of them? She had been married to Arnaldo Baptista, but mm-hmm. they were living in a commune in Serra da Cantarera in the northern part of Sao Paulo, mm-hmm. which was this hippie commune that in- yeah. that was, you know, rife with drug use, drug abuse, mm-hmm. uh, which was not good for Arnaldo Baptista because he had a psychotic breakdown in, in about a year after this t- happened anyway. Right. And jumped out a window. Mm. But it's unfortunate. Yeah. But also they were switching partners they were like there's yeah. was a free love commune so you yes. were expected to to trade partners and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that also will put a strain on a marriage believe it or not yeah it's not surprising <laughs> well i mean she had been involved with sergio diaz before they were married too right uh arnold baptista i thought she'd been involved with both of them oh i didn't i don't know i don't know about oh, that. I, thought you'd been I don't know I, maybe maybe if i knew that and i forgot it not unusual i guess my brain can only hold so much information it's like it's like a you know a bucket. It's like a bucket. It's filled, and then stuff pours out, and some stays inside. Yeah, but we don't know what stays inside and what goes out. All right, Mary. We talked about Marcus Valle. Are you ready to hear a Marcus Valle song? Yes. This is U or O Cafona from his 1971 album Gara, uh, and this uh, I think this song is great. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Here we go with uh, Marcus Valle. Eu 
Um, again, I thought this one was really fun. Yeah, it's a great song, yeah, isn't it? it is. Yeah, just really well arranged, well orchestra. Well, that's not, I don't think it's orchestra. I don't think there's orchestra on it, but it's really well arranged with the the way it's all all put together. The the, the use of the the short, you know, uh, vocalizations and stuff like that, and the, the the organ, and it's just it's just a great song. And I just bought this uh, CD on a whim because I like the cover. Oh yeah. And so I just bought it. I didn't know who he was, but it was like I went. I was like, oh, there's no there's no new Gilberto Gil or Caetano Veloso, I guess I'll buy, I guess I'll buy this one. So I did, and I was very pleased with myself. Hmm. I patted myself in the back many times over this. It's very good. But we'll talk about him next time, everybody, because this show's already going into the millionth hour. So let's move on to our next song. This is Georges Ben. Okay. And the song is Fio Miraviglio, which came from his 1972 album, Ben. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's give a listen, everybody. This song is great. Let's just enjoy the bass part in the song it's you know brazilian bass players they they're like they're in a world of their own like they just do some really interesting things on the bass like often feels like they're playing a different song sometimes but Mm -hmm. it just it just fits so well it's amazing but anyway let's let's give a listen to uh, um i do want to say i love tropicalia yeah but jorge ben's album africa brazil yeah is so fantastic yeah yeah like i think it's my favorite of all that stuff Mm, it's mm. just so good yeah like every single song on that album is fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes. He was more of a pop yeah. musician than than a Tropicalia musician, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he was on the Osmotante's first album. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was like involved. He was with, involved, with yeah, the, yeah. The scene. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh let's listen to Fio Maravilli everyone. I'm sure you're going to like the song. Ele chegou com inspiração Com muito amor, com emoção Com explosão, um gol Sacudindo a torcida aos 33 minutos Do segundo tempo Depois 
de fazer uma jogada celestial em gol Capelou, triplou dois zagueiros Deu um toque, triplou o goleiro Só não entrou com bola e tudo Porque teve humildade em gol foi um gol de classe onde ele mostrou Sua malícia e sua raça Foi um gol de anjo, um verdadeiro gol de placa Que a galera agradecida se encantava Foi um gol de anjo, um verdadeiro gol de placa Que a galera agradecida se encantava Viu maravilha, nós gostamos de você And we're back. Mary, you already said that you like the song, so... Yes, and I, I want to say that I really like the guitar in this song. Yeah, that's also good, yeah. yeah. I love the bass guitar and then I love the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really fun, really fun stuff. I have a... I found a live uh, Georges Ben concert from 1972 around this time, and he plays this song live, so I'll, I'll put cool. that... I'll put the link to that uh, in, in the show notes, because it's, uh, it's fun. Okay, let's move on to... Oh, uh, but, oh, oops, oh wait, sorry. are you going to talk about Jorge Ben on the second side? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I just wanted to say that he... Well, no, I guess we can talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. We'll save it. We'll save it for the next show, man. Yes. Got to have something to talk about. Yeah. I don't want to stare at you the whole show. That's Well, that's true. It would be pretty boring. Pretty uncomfortable feeling. For the listener, too. It would be like, what's... What's going on? You guys have anything to say? And be like, no. <laughs> retired. <laughs> Tired and retired. Dad got a second shot yesterday. That's true. I did get a second sleepy. shot yesterday. I am a bit sleepy today. I am. My arm's sore, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. You relaxed it more, I told you. I did relax it. Do you want to hear another Catena Velosa song? Yes. So this is uh, Os Argonautos. Argonautos? I don't know how to say it. Anyway, Argonautos from his, I guess his third album, second solo album, Catena Veloso. Madrugada, amor, riso 
arco da madrugada o porto nada navegar é preciso viver não é preciso navegar é preciso viver não é preciso o barco o automóvel brilhante O trilho solto O barulho Do meu dente em tua veia O sangue O charco Barulho lento O porto Silêncio Navegar é preciso Viver não é preciso Navegar é preciso, viver não é preciso. 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 Navegar é preciso, viver. Again, same name, Caetano Veloso. Caetano Veloso or Caetano Veloso? Which album do you want? Do you want Caetano Veloso 68? Do you want Caetano Veloso 69? Or would you like the 1971 album, Caetano Veloso? You tell me. As the... Do I want tickets to see Caetano Veloso? <laughs> so as the Tropicalia movement found itself between the... I've always got very uh, literary here, folks. Between the Scylla and Charybdis of the leftist students in the right-wing military junta. You know who Scylla and Charybdis were? They were sea monsters who oh. uh, threatened Odysseus on his way home from the wars. Huh, I did not know that. One was, basically, it was like a reference to the this incredible like vortex of, of water in this strait near Greece. Okay. So I guess they, instead of saying, I guess this is an effect of all the waves here, they said, that must be monsters doing that. Because, you know, if you believe in monsters, it's easy to blame them, blame them for stuff. Right. Um, so in the I only warriors, blame monsters for disappearing cookies. In the warriors, yep. which gang is analogous to them? I don't think there is an, an analogous no? gang to... Uh, oh. okay. that, that movie is not a one-to-one, uh, you know, exactly <laughs> the same as... yeah. So who were the baseball furies? They would be the furies. the original. They oh. would be the furies. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the furies were... And the sirens. Are the girls. The, the sirens are the girls. There are the sirens mm. who, of course, sang. So the, the crew had to plug their ears with wax. Right. To, to keep themselves from... Uh, and the furies... I can't remember the furies. The furies probably were like... Yeah, because there's like no Cyclops and stuff like that. Although I guess he could say that that one guy who has like a lazy eye is a Cyclops. <laughs> kind of mean though. It's kind of a mean thing to say. Sorry, actor. You're really good in Broadway Danny Rose, by the way. All right, Sumer. Um, can, so, I, can I just say quickly? Oh, sure. That the baseball furies are one of like the most iconic oh, it's great. Um, characters in anything ever. It's fantastic. For it's, like such a small part of that movie. And and so lame that they get beaten up like right away by yeah. by guys who are don't use baseball bats like they do yeah. all the time. Yeah. And they don't have they don't they don't have baseball bats or a faster way to transport in yeah. that they're all wearing roller skates. No, no, that's a different group. That's the guys oh, who wear, wear overalls. Oh yeah. In the so in the cool subway too. station. Right, and then they have a fight in a bathroom. Yeah. 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 It's another group that where the roller skates aren't the most helpful thing in the world because when someone pushes you on roller skates. Yeah, that's fair. It's hard to keep your balance. That is fair. I'm sure I've I'm sure I've told this story again, but I love it so much. But the time I was driving home and saw a guy wearing roller blades yeah. walking up a hill like pretty, was, pretty steep skiing? hill yeah, yeah his feet were like completely pointing out to the side i was like just take them off at this point you know 
Well, a guy at work uh, rollerbladed to work. Took him an hour and ten minutes. I understand that. When he told his son that he did it, mm-hmm. his son said, why? <laughs> that's what I said, too. That's what I said to him, too. That's okay. Yeah, one of my coworkers rides her bike to work. Yeah. But she lives, like, a three-minute drive away. Okay. And she just has to, like, she lives, like, a bunch of connected parks away so you can just bike through the parks oh, that's cool and it's like completely flat yeah all the way there yeah so that makes sense but yeah no thanks all right not from Aldergrove. anyway let's let's talk a little bit about this uh album of caetano velosos okay so like i say the actions of the tropicalistas were becoming by necessity more extreme and provoking and uh they had a show actually called divino meraviglioso which means divine marvelous mm-hmm. It was a tropicalist TV program hosted by Veloso, Gilles, and Costa in Sao Paulo, and they regularly featured Tom Zay on the show. One of the performances by Veloso on Christmas Eve, which was featured a performance where he sang a simple Christmas song called Boas Festas with a revolver pointed at his head. So I think that was commentary. And the government, reacting to reports that Veloso and Gilles had somehow defaced the Brazilian flag during a concert which was a lie cooked up by a Brazilian disc jockey who was kind of like a lackey of the, the junta, you know, kind of spread, the, spread spread this lie around on the radio, and the authorities acted on this lie and arrested both men. They were arrested on February 1969 and held in prison for three months in, in solitary confinement, followed by a further four months under house arrest in their hometown of Salvador, of course, far from the cultural centers of Brazil. But uh, eventually they were exiled. Well, they chose exile. They asked to leave the country. Right. They were gone for four years. It's a long time to uh, choosing be forcibly away from home. Yeah, choosing to stay in England, where, you know, they were kind of influenced by the music they loved, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that England, compared to someone who's from Brazil, mm-hmm. England is a cold and dreary place. Yeah, and I mean, what, what year was this, too? This is, yeah, 69, 70. Yeah, so England was, like, still recovering from World War II at that point, <laughs> yeah. like, economically and yeah. infrastructure-wise, they were not doing very well. They probably had to like put a nickel in the gas meter to get to warm your warm your room up and stuff like that. Yeah. Still at that time, so yeah, it's and uh, like the weather would have been so different. Yeah, and then you know the language barrier. Oh yeah. So Gilles was a more outgoing person, so he t- he made some friends, whereas Veloso was a quieter, more in- introspective person. Mm-hmm. So he had trouble making friends. So he yeah. felt very lonely there. Their wives came with them, mm-hmm. but I mean, you're just isolated with your wife. You know, yeah. it's uh, you still feel lonely. Yeah. Even if you're a person and I mean, person as you know we've well. known from this past year, yeah. It's not easy to be stuck at home with your spouse all the time, even if you love them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But it was during this, the four-month four month house arrest in Salvador that Veloso and Gil recorded their 1969 albums. And it, it was done in an effort by the record company to help the artists earn some money since they were barred from live performance, as well as doing any interviews. So they weren't allowed to speak publicly. And they weren't allowed to do live performances. Except they were allowed to do a live performance as sort of a final live performance to raise money to leave the country. But other than that, they weren't allowed to play live, so they, you know, they had no income coming in. And so Philip said, "Well, let's put out a record, and then you can get some money from that." And so their producer, regular producer Manuel Berenbaum, uh, with the arranger Rogerio Pratt, they came to Salvador with two engineers, and they were shocked to discover that Salvador had no recording facilities suitable for making a record. Hmm. So. They didn't know what to do, but Duprat had the idea of recording Veloso and Gilles accompanied only by their guitar and a metronome. And then they would take the tapes back to Sao Paulo, where other instruments would be added after. And so, not having much choice, of course, Veloso and Gilles agreed to this idea. Yeah. And so the recordings made in Sao Paulo 
uh, feature many of the musicians who regularly figured in all the Tropicalia recordings. Yeah. Uh, guitarist Lanny Gord- Gordin, bassist Sergio Barroso, drummer Wilson Das Neves, and keyboardist Chiquinho de Moraes. Like, these guys were like on all, all stuff, whether it was Gal Costa, Gerardo Gil, mm-hmm. like, they're all over the place for mm-hmm. the, all that stuff. And the album was issued with a plain white cover with Veloso's signature across the center of the, of the sleeve because a par- another part of this ruling was they weren't allowed to put their uh, pictures on the on the records either right and so as it you know annoyingly shares a name with two of his other albums it is commonly known as album bronco the white album right so there you go all right let's move on to the os matanches again okay this is a song from their second album from matanches the first album is called os matanches mm-hmm. the second album is called matanches so i do appreciate them at least switching up a little bit so that there is a differentiation between those names and then they Carried on from there and actually gave the records real titles, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. But uh, this is Don, Don Quixote. Okay. Uh, this is from 1969, everybody. Okay, sorry. Before we uh, go on to the Osmontanti song, everybody, Mary has just pointed out that I, like a jerk... Neglected. Neglected to ask her her opinion of the Caetano Velosa song. What do you think of the song, Wow. Right? You know what, Dad? Yes, I had no opinion on the song. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Um, I was actually kind of mad on the song. Oh, really? Yeah, I just thought it was a little bit too sort of like traditional yeah. and dramatic yeah. for me, yeah. personally. It's just not a style that I love. Mm. Um, like I, Yeah, I obviously I love this song, but yeah. that's why it's on the mix. And I, Yes, and I mean, knowing the history of it <laughs> makes me enjoy it more. Yeah. But like hearing it, I was kind of just like, oh, this just sounds like a love song. And it's not a love song because it's no. about it's the Argonautos. It's about the explorers. Yes. So obviously, it's it's telling a story that that's kind of uh, you know subtext is about the intrepid tropicalistas, mm-hmm. you know, facing all these dangers as yeah. they as they as they voyage forwards. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, you kind of have to you know it's, it is unfortunate. There's a language barrier to these songs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a language barrier for me, even though I you know I can read it. Fairly fluently, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot uh, speak it at all, or understand right. it if it's spoken to me. Yep. I can pick out words, but yeah. I cannot. I cannot understand what people are saying. Yeah. Like all all languages that I know, mm-hmm. I can read. I can read so many languages, but I cannot understand a single word people say to me. Right. It's really embarrassing. But yeah, let's go into Don Quixote. I'm glad. I'm, you know, I'm glad that the song sort of took on a different resonance. Like it resonated differently with you when you like knowing the story of it. Mm-hmm. Particularly the fact that you know. It's just him with, on a guitar, and then yeah, all the, and the instrumentation. And like he, the other, I think it's important too that he re, he wrote and recorded it in this state of exile. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. where like that definitely sort of affects mm. what you're gonna do. Yeah, and I wonder if he was at that point sort of maybe longing for Brazil. Yeah, and sort of the more traditional sounds there. But he's still in Brazil at this time, right? He's still. This is not. This is not a album made in England. This what? is an album. I thought you said that he had to send everything back. Cause from Salvador. Oh, oh, okay. So in, they got they got exiled to their hometown. Oh, right. Because it was such a backwater. There was no studios yeah. there that were that were capable okay. of like recording a professional right. album. And so they just recorded their voices and guitars, mm-hmm. and then those were built on. Right. Oh, okay. You know, which is pretty common nowadays. But in those in yeah. those days, you the bands mostly played together oh, in the for studio. Sure. It's just yeah, easier to do it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have a better better. Uh, Swing because yep. the bands are you know playing together as a mm-hmm. group, but yeah nowadays of course ba- everything's all broken up into different tracks and mm-hmm. you know which is fine it's fine but mm-hmm. you know often it can be very uh, antiseptic you know mm-hmm. but let's listen to Don Quixote okay this is Os Matanches from their album Matanches from 1969 everybody.
What do you think of uh, Don Quixote? Um, oh, I thought it was a pretty fun song. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's pretty great. I like. I love the uh, the very like strident martial music. L- you know, opening the song and then it really goes to um, readily playing the recorder or the flute and then and then kind of sighing and, and then basically just making a mockery of the whole thing, making a mockery of Don Quixote. Yeah, poor Don Quixote. Poor Don Quixote. It's not his fault. His name sounds like donkey. <laughs> Only in our language. Yes. So. Yeah, this is, uh, to me, this is the best Mutantes album. It's a real mix and match. It's the last Tropicalia album by them. After this point, they'll, they'll kind of drop the, the trappings of Tropicalia and more embrace the, the rock, you know, more kind of pure rock and roll, you know, and become more like an American rock and roll band or a British rock and roll band. What are you smiling at, sweetie? Oh, I was just thinking about this music. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, but this And al- also how Don Quixote's name sounds like Donkey. 
<laughs> this <laughs> this album is full of songs like this where it takes different elements and mixes them and mixes and matches and mm-hmm. the song Magica ends with a quote from uh, the Rolling Stones I can't get no satisfaction mm. you know they do, do a song called Caminante uh, Caminante Nocturno which is Sleepwalker which is like a great way to refer to the population the general population of Brazil yeah. oh, under this sure. dictatorship not aware of what yeah. was really happening just living their lives and not and not examining beneath the th- surface you know and they performed it at um they performed this song lot, you know at one of the music festivals you mm-hmm. know i think they came in like seventh or something but you know it's pretty pretty amazing it's a great song mm-hmm. but it's uh yeah it's just it's a ama- amazingly good album it's just like good all the way through it there's a fun song in there called Rita Lee it's about Rita Lee mm-hmm. sung by 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 uh Rita Lee not sung by Rita Lee sung oh. by um Arnaldo Baptista. Oh, okay. It has a Tom Zay song on it uh, that he sings with Rita Lee, and that's a lot of fun. She does a Yoko Ono impersonation to open the song. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Like, just who is singing? She just does this kind of little, kind of weird ululation to start oh, the song. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good album. I, I highly recommend it if people have not heard it because I think you should hear it. Uh, what's interesting about Os Matanjis to me though is how Teflon they were uh, throughout this period. Like, I guess because they were seen as like a funny band, like a goofy band. They never, because they would dress up in costumes, they would dress up as witches, they would dress up as conquistadors, they would dress up yeah. as toreadors, they would dress up yeah. in all these kind of costumes. Cool. They dress up as, as aliens. They just mm-hmm. had a, this really fun kind of thing. And so so that show, that show where, where Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil got in trouble because they, quote unquote, defaced a flag, which it wasn't a flag of Brazil, it was actually a banner that was designed by this artist named Helio Otichia. Okay. Chichik or no, sorry, Chichika. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, he he did this poster, and it features an image of this infamous drug dealer who had been violently killed by the military. Mm-hmm. And then it said in this had an inscription on it that said, uh, "Be an outlaw, be a hero." Mm. And so that was what was on de- was being demonstrated, and it wasn't even like green and yellow. It wasn't yeah. even Brazilian colors. It was yeah. a red red flag. Right. But somehow it got out. It was spread around as lies that they right. had defaced it. But the f- weird thing is, is that both Gilles and Voluzu were arrested, and those Matanches were untouched. They just carried on. <laughs> because I guess they're, because like I say, I guess they were seen as goofs. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like they weren't seen as a threat. Yeah. Whereas like the, um, the more thoughtful. Yeah. Like the, pe- yeah. like they, I think that the people in charge sort of knew who were the brains yeah. of yeah. the operation and sort of like the soul of it as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, well, like they, they right. were they You're were right. piloting yeah, yeah. The, the the movement, right? They were, like they were the yeah. were just sort of like saying what um They what... controlled the tiller of the Argo. Yeah. You're right, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's uh it, it is interesting. You're you're right. I was gonna say something and then I forgot what it was. So that's fine. I'll just agree with you. Oh, you're right, Mary. Thanks, Dad. You're I know. Welcome. <laughs> Don't want to get big headed about it. No, I'm not. Are you ready for the last song? Yes. I, already forgot I got a notification on my phone yeah. that um, it is time for me to go to bed. Oh, well, before you do that, let's listen to Gal Costa. Okay. The song is Me No Me Gal, or My Name is Gal, from her album Gal from 1969. This was her second album of 1969. So let's give a listen to everybody. Desejo me corresponder com rapaz que seja o tal. Meu nome é Gal. E não faz mal que 
ele não seja branco, não tenha cultura De qualquer altura, eu amo igual Meu nome é Gal E tanto faz Que ele tenha defeito Ou traga no peito Crença ou tradição Meu nome é Gal Eu amo igual Meu nome é Gal, tenho 24 anos, nasci na Barra Avenida, Bahia. Todo dia eu sonho alguém pra mim. Acredito em Deus, gosto de baile, cinema. Admiro Caetano, Gil, Roberto, Erasmo, Macalé, Paulinho da Viola, Lene, Rogério Scanzella, Jorge Ben, Rogério Duprá, Wali, Dircinho, Nando e o pessoal da Pesada. E se um dia eu tiver alguém com bastante amor pra me dar, não precisa sobrenome, pois é o amor que faz o homem. Um, you loved it. Yes. Well, you know, it's one thing that's weird about the song to me yeah. is that it felt really French to me. Okay. Interesting. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think it might have been the way that she was doing that kind of like talk singing mm, sort of mm. more like at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like when she well, starts she doing middle, the like middle part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She starts doing sort of like a yelling kind of part, which I'm like, okay, no, this is not very French. <laughs> But for a while there, I was like, oh, this sounds really French. This song is such a, is such a, uh, It's such a good example of her range as a singer. Like, she can be soft. She can be soft as 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 a rose, and then she can well, roses are prickly, I guess. But soft be, as silk. She can be as soft as silk, and then next thing you know, she's like growling like a trombone in a in a Dixieland jazz band. You know, yeah. like she's really got this huge range, mm-hmm. and she can do both at the same time. She mm-hmm. can go from one to the other. It's amazing. She's such a good singer. Like I say, this is her second album of one year. Like she put so she put out uh, an album called Gal Costa. Uh, which had like Baby on it and the song Divino Meraviglioso and stuff. So those were kind of like the big hit singles and, and that kind of carried her on to this album. But 
when she got to this album, things had kind of changed because both Volozu and Jill were now uh, in prison when she started working on this album. You know, they were locked away and then they were in Salvador and she couldn't see them there. You know, she wasn't allowed to see them. And so um, that really affected the album. So the album is, instead of being like this kind of fun celebration, the last album is a really fun celebration. You know, Deus Eo More is a great song in there. And like say Divina Maraviloso and Baby and there's lots of great songs in there. And there's lots of great songs in this album, but it's a different feeling to this album. It's much darker. It's angry. Mm-hmm. You know, even the song, which is a bit of a goof, even kind of has a little bit of, of uh, you know, frustration to it. Yeah. Uh, like I say, this, for her, it's a, it's a visceral, visceral reaction, not only to A15, you know, but also to, also to the, the arrest and imprisonment of her friends, you know. And so once again, produced by Manuel Berenbaum, you know, he's on, on, his fingers are all over these albums, and with arrangements by Rogério de Pratt. Um, but my name, my nom est Gal. Well, one thing I'll say about Gal Costa is she doesn't write her own music. She's an interpreter of other people's songs. Okay. She doesn't do her own, she doesn't write her own songs. Yep, that's fine. Not everyone has to no, be a songwriter. That's right. Mar- Maria Batania is the same. She just does interpretations of songs. Mm-hmm. And so, my, my name of Gal was written specifically for her by Roberto and Erasmo Carlos, who we were talking Erasmo. about. Erasmo. Erasmo, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Who we were talking about a little while ago. They're no relation, by the way. They just happen to share. A similar middle name because they dropped their last name in order to oh, okay. make their name more appealing. Huh. They were both they were like a like a songwriting duo they or something. Did work together and they were members of the Jovem Garda. I mentioned oh, okay. them earlier. They yep. were hosts of the show Jovem Garda with Wanderlei. And uh, by this point, I, the sh- I don't know if the show was still on by this point, but they were kind of branching out and they you know and, and they loved Gal, so they wrote this song for her, which is a, which is a real celebration of her. Yeah, Gal turns the song into just an amazing display. Well, me also with Lani Gordine's. Uh, a crazy guitar being played as well. Like it's just, it's just like this real fun melange of like you know crazy acid rock, Roger Duprat's almost pop kind of um, orchestrations, mm-hmm. and then Gal Costa's unpredictable singing. Whether it's you know up, you know it's either like you know right in your face, roaring away, or like being very soft and, and standing back a bit. And she's uh, during the spoken section of the song. She says, "My name is Gal. I'm 24 years old. I was born in Barra Avenida, Bahia. Every day I dream of someone for me." I believe in God. I like dancing, cinema. I admire Catano, Gilles, Roberto, Erasmo, Macaulay, Polino da Viola, Lani, Rogerio, the name I can't pronounce, I'm not going to try, Jorge Ben, Rogerio Duprat, Wally, Dircinino, Nando, and the heavy people. And if one day I have someone with enough love to give me, no last name needed, for it is love that makes man. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. So that's what she says when she's talking in that one part of the song is i i recognize that she was for the longest time i thought she was doing the credits for the album there yeah she's saying the name of a lot of the people who played on it yeah but she's not and you know she went on to become the most popular singer in in pop music in brazil like the most popular singer in brazil really uh yeah and it's weird from this from this from the start and i want to play one more song this is our final song mary well i mean to be fair yep um she is the best singer in brazil she is no no lie i mean in the world i think I want to play a song called Objeto Sing, Objeto Nyao, which is Object Yes, Object No. Okay. And it's a real weird song. This is from the same album, Gal, 1969. Mm-hmm. And I just want to play this song because this is like, because like at this point, you know, with, with, the, with the loss of Velozu and Jill, you know, the, the Mutanchis drifted away from Tropicalia. Everyone kind of, everyone who was on the periphery of it sort of drifted away from it by this point. It was mm-hmm. only Gal who was like carrying on with it. Like, not mm-hmm. this album, not this, this album. She came, she went to England and visited 
uh, Caetano Veloso and, and uh, Gilbert Gil did some concerts there. And she came back and she did another album, you know, that still continues on in the, in the tropic, Tropicalia vein, you know, like she was really carrying the load by herself through this time period. And I'm going to play this song. It's a, it's a crazy song, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. It's, it's nuts, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So here we go. This is the final song of the show. This is Gal Costa, Abjero Sing, Abjero Now, 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 however they say it. They like the they like the nasal sounds in uh, in Portuguese Brazil. in Portuguese in Brazil yeah so here we go.
great mary yeah yeah <laughs> that's crazy i feel like her role in the tropicalia movement was yeah. really underestimated yeah. by yeah. like the authorities yeah yeah i think so too yeah, yeah. which misogyny <laughs> um but yeah being like like they just based on the way that tropicalia is talked about it seems like the three of them yeah were kind of like the spearheads mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. right for sure so it is interesting that they just exiled the other two yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and left her you know, struggling, I guess, on her own. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's an amazing song. What's weird about this album is, is it was recorded when Foloso and, and Gilles were in... in uh, England. Not in England. Oh, and... They were uh, under under house arrest. Sankey. Under house arrest in Salvador. Salvador. But this song, and there's another song on here, camera's called now. There's another song on here, something Pais. They both feature Gilberto Gilles and Veloso singing. Hmm. So I have no idea how, how that happened. Maybe, maybe they... They recorded them when they did the uh, when they recorded their two solo albums. They might yeah. have put, put done some tra- quick tracks, probably. But yeah, it's interesting because they. I mean, they, they probably had a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> that's for sure. They're a house arrest. But it's interesting because they weren't supposed to record other stuff. They yeah. only were supposed to do those albums. Oh, okay. Because that that was the agreement with the military well, government was that you know they would allow them to that weird fascist murderous and yet at the same time uh, somewhat. <laughs> conciliatory yeah well i mean i can kind of i can kind of see where they're coming from in that you don't want to start like executing um people who are like very visible yeah right like i think that they were very visibly against the the military dictatorship yeah and their arrest was probably because like you know all of their friends and ever knew what happened yeah and still had quite a big audience mm-hmm. and so if they were you know, like they, I feel like they probably just felt like they had to sort of give them something, had to be seen as like, see, we're not that bad. Look at the, look at us, look at what we're doing. Yeah. We're, just, we're not killing you. We're letting you continue to make yeah. your st- stuff. It's your no, music. it's no, it's no Victor Yara, uh, the was it Chilean uh, folk singer whose hands were cut off and he was killed, cut off in a football stadium while people watched. Yeah. Way. Yeah, like there's sort of two ways of stop it, people. Two ways of thinking about something like that, which is it either. It either makes people afraid yeah. to rebel, which is untrue, or it sort of um, fuels people mm-hmm. out of revenge, yeah. which yeah. has been true. Yeah. Right? So I think that Brazil went the other way with it. <laughs> the second one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, just a question, actually. So you didn't know what this what was going to be on the CD. I don't tell you what's going to be on the CD yep. before you listen to it. Were you a little bit like nonplussed, a little 
confused by this. Well, I was like, the first song played, and I was like, oh, great, Osmi Duchess. And then the second song played, and I was like, okay. And then the third song played, and I was like, oh, okay, it's just all going to be all, um, all Brazilian music. But yeah. you're okay with that. Oh, yeah. No, I love it. So oh, That's cool. Yeah. I was like, cool, I'm going to like this one. <laughs> Good taste, Mary. Good taste. Well, um, before we end the show today, mm-hmm. I just want to bring up something that was really great. But wait. Before we do that, yeah. can I tell people if they want to do something great, how they can do that? Oh, sure. So if you would like to contact us, um, go to our website, which is sneakydragon.com. From there, you can see how you can contact us, whether it's via email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, on Facebook at sneakydragon.com, over Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon, or by snail mail, our address is on there. And you can also comment on each um, sort of thread for each episode on our sneakydragon.com website. Cool. And uh, to that email address was sent something pretty cool that Dad's going to talk about. <laughs> well, you can talk about it if you want. No, you can talk about it. All right. So, yeah. So, um, regular correspondent to the show, Chris Roberts, is a, is a musician of note. He has written a theme for Sneaky Dragon. He's cool. ri- written a theme for Sparks. Cool. And now he's written a theme for Listening Party. Awesome. The and, best. And the best. And he... What do you mean? Anyway. <laughs> I love them all equally. He made a video of it as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have that on the website. Because mm-hmm. I want people to go there and, and, and watch, see the, watch the video because it's a lot of fun. But I'm going to play the song. I'm going to play us out with this song today, everybody. Yes. We're going to forego our usual uh, use of uh, Sal and Bebastian. Mm. Just trying to make it so they can't search our name. Uh-huh. How would they do it? Via audio, I guess. Via audio, yeah. Just in case anyone decides to make a transcript of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They won't know. Yeah. They wouldn't know who Balance, uh, I mean, uh, Sal and Bastian. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're gonna play the song now, and I just want to thank Chris so much for doing this. It was like like uh, Mary and I were talking about, and I said we we're both kind of hitting the end of this. We're both ready. Mm-hmm. F- we're both ready. You know, to as much as we love doing the show, you know, it's just been. Uh, the last little while has been a real uh, busy time for me, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm starting to feel <laughs> feel the starting to feel the burnout. And so um, it was so nice to get this. And I feel like I've run out of things to say about music. I don't know much <laughs> about music anyway. Well, you have lots to say though. It's so much mm-hmm. fun talking with you, dear. Thank you. The... But not about music. <laughs> well, I mean, we talk about it in a tangential way, and it's that's that's fun too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you bring a different experience to it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But let me just say, so Chris, yeah, we were feeling. Like I say, this like Sunday morning, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't really feel like going outside and sitting by myself and researching, but I guess I have to. And then, and then I got this email from from Chris with this wonderful song, and I immediately, I immediately played it for Mary and I to watch. I didn't watch it myself first; I watched it with her. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, we watched it together oh. for the first time, and and it was I was just so heartwarmed by it that you know it drove me to do more research for this episode. <laughs> And that's why this episode's so long. It's your fault, Chris. Yeah, way to go, Chris. You got more content out of us. How dare you? <laughs> so, so let's let's finish the show with with this song. And and uh, once again, uh, thank you so much, Chris. For thank this you, song. Chris. It's really great. And we will see everyone in a bye week. We'll be back. Or oh, I don't know how to say week in the Portuguese. Damn it. Here, let me just get on wordreference.com. <laughs> let's start the song, everyone. This is Chris Roberts. We'll see you in a bye week. Bye. Bye.
welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Well, the Hepcats dig the beat groups. They love that rock and roll. Blame it on the baby boom. And if music be the food of love, I'm filling up my bowl. Be my